Welcome everyone to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me as always is our NHL analyst expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no to very little shame in his game because he is always quite the same. No shame in the game, sunshine. No shame in the game. And ah. That's me. Ah, is that how it is, Grandpa? It's the way I roll, brother. Oh, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. The Islanders put on a clinic against the Rangers, Grump. Excellent game. Maybe the best game they played all year. Top for the whole game. Wow. Islander fans, did you hear that? Grumpy old man thinks this is the best game the Islanders have played all season long. And think about it, right? Uh, what does it say about the group? Been kind of scuffling along for a number of weeks now. And that game, okay, while it wasn't must win, I consider it a must win game. The Rangers have been extremely hot, uh, and we just shut them down. It was it was a fantastic game, top to bottom, and uh, you'll be surprised who I considered uh, one of the better players, which we can talk about after the ad. Oh my goodness, grumpy old man! I cannot only I only tell the truth. I only tell the truth. Good, bad, or indifferent, I tell you the truth. I will say my anticipation is mounting, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the ad because I want to hear who you thought the best player of the game was, Grumpy Old Man, especially if you're going to go ahead and lead off with a topic like that. You're going to lead it off. Um, all I've got to say here is, uh, Grumpy Old Man, uh, this weekend's UFC fight 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event, and every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more, more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at winning huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to test your MMA knowledge and to compete for shots at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about hockey and basketball, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can also deposit money and withdraw money and the funds at your own convenience. Uh, download the DraftKings app now and use the code THPN. Again, that's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. Again, promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Grumpy old man. Wow, look at TJ. He only made one mistake, and it was a minor one. All I'm going to say is this. When you come at me and say you try to you try to tarnish the good name of Kyle Palmer, and more importantly, the good name of Myself, grumpy old man, saying that we don't do a good job here on the ad read. I think we're going to have to come back. We're going to step our, step our game up, grumpy. You do have to step your game up. Why do you think I mentioned it to you? <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I hit you with the stick a little bit, and all of a sudden you did a little bit of a better job today. You didn't totally mess it up. Just one thing. You said MA. You didn't go MMA. Uh, but you know what? You slowed down a little bit. Maybe you learned how to read in the last couple of days, and it seems like it was a much better performance. Yeah, so what I did is I took uh, leaning, uh, reading and comprehension classes, and we went ahead and we were grinding. I'm talking about a good solid 78 hours a day I was logging on my reading comprehension courses, and uh, I think it's paid off a little bit. Congratulations for you. 
Wow. Well, thank you, Grumpy. I, you know, it a lot of hard work. I'm glad it doesn't go unnoticed by yourself and the listeners. I will say this. I think I, I'm going to echo what you said. I think the Islanders had an unbelievable performance uh, last night. And I'll tell you one thing. When it rains, it pours. Holy crap. When the floodgates open against the Rangers, it's like nothing the Islanders could do was wrong. Yeah. I mean, it was – I mean – like I mentioned earlier, I think the best bell-to-bell performance uh, of the year. No second period slacking off or 10 minutes here. I thought they played extremely well against an extremely hot Rangers team. Uh, just a fantastic game. Um, not everything was perfect, of course, but uh, you know, I don't think you could be any – Less pleased with what they did last night. It was it was a big big game. It really was a big game, and we came out and we played like it was. Here, here's my question: You say it was a big game, and I, I agree. It certainly was a big game. It was a nice bounce back game because we were sputtering. There's no hiding that at all. We definitely were sputtering. Now, scuffling, scuffling is scuffling is the word I used earlier. I would say we were sputtering, but okay. anyway. Uh, you know, how much do you think that takes the sale out of the winds of the New Jersey rain or the New York Rangers? Oh my God. There's Lou. You want to know what Lou wanted to know? He wanted to know, I hope you're going to say something nice about the team today. I'm listening to the podcast, and what is the delay? You told me you were going to say, you told me when we conversed earlier today that you were going to say something good about the team. You are going to speak up about certain players who did a good job, and he's waiting with bated breath. You know, and I told him, wait. Ring, DJ ring. talk first. Ring, ring, ring. They want to know who you think was the star of the game, grumpy old man. You said that. You know, I kind of jumped away. I was going to come back to it. But who do you think was the Islanders' star of last night's game? I thought it was Anthony Bavillier. Um, and Josh Bailey, one of my favorite whipping boys, was a close second. Uh, I just found it interesting. They put a line together of Bavillier, Pajot, and Bailey, uh, which is a third line, right? And all of a sudden, Josh Bailey playing on the third line, what was he doing? He was going hard into corners. He was going in front of the net, shooting the puck. I mean, totally. You know what? If Josh Bailey played like that every night, you'd never hear me complain about him. That's the frustrating frustrating thing about Josh Bailey is he's capable of doing it, and he does it. And that, that's what frustrates me, honestly. But he was superb last night, without a doubt. Now, I'm going to tell you what, though. I did scream at the TV when they came on in, in a three-on-two or three-on-one break, and he's got the puck in the slot, and he does a drop pass, which I'm like, shoot the puck. Wow. And it got picked up and dumped in the corner and eventually led to the goal, I mean, very shortly after that. But what did Josh Bailey do after that play, after he dropped pass? He went to the front of the net. Something he's adverse to do. So kudos to Josh Bailey. Play like that, Josh Bailey, and you're going to hear me sing your praises all the time. Go back to being the usual ham and egg that you are. You're going to hear the abuse. Here's my thing. I think you're – I'm going to have to ask you to pump the brakes a little bit on the Josh Bailey love. I don't dislike Josh Bailey. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, come on now, Grump. Let's be honest. The first goal was, it was laid up on a platter. You, myself, and anybody on a pair of skates could have knocked that one in the net. And the second one, he about drills into the crest of the goalie. So I'm not going to go on the, hey, Josh Bailey is holier than thou or anything like that. He had a good game for certain. I think that line gelled really well together. We're talking about, hey, what type of line combinations does does Barry Trotz need to throw, in, throw out there in order to get things moving and gelling? Keep that line together. 
I mean, like that seems to be the only thing that's working as of right now. Now you can kind of build off of that. Again, do not fix what's not what's not broken. Okay. But think about think about every single line that has sparked in the last month and a half. What is the common denominator? And then Barry will go and screw it up. What's the common denominator? Anthony freaking Bavillier. That's who's the common denominator. He comes back from injury. He plays on the second line for a couple games. They dump him down to the third line. That line sparks. Then Barry, I'm going to get smart. I'm going to put him on the second line. Third line dies. Second line sparks. Now he's back to the third line, and that line sparks again. It's Bavillier. I've got to correct you. You said over the last month. I mean, like this is you're talking about the span of the year, Grumpy. I mean, it's not the last month, and that doesn't shock me at all. If we're talking about lines getting hot, Anthony Bavillier is streaky as hell. Albeit, man, oh man, I mean, like there's no more welcoming of a sign than Anthony Bavillier starting to heat up around this time of the season. The same thing with Jean Gabriel Pajot. He seems to be heating up a little bit as well. Well, I'm going to tell you, Anthony Bavillier drives lines right his energy uh and when he's hot he's hot let's be honest right and he was on fire last night and that's you know what hey it's a good time for him to get hot going into the playoffs so hopefully he can put it together for a while longer i don't expect it to last the whole rest of the season he's just streaky but i'll take a streaky right now on a hot streak for anthony bavillier without a doubt um i was not impressed with uh the nelson line i just it just I'm sorry. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's just, it's a bad match. And, you know, the Barzell line, we had the anchor part two on there last night uh, with uh, Zajac. I know they tried to slither Leo back there, and he was his normal, terrible self. And then they finally relegate into the fourth line, which is where he belongs. Okay. I've got to stop you. What, what's your issue with the second line? Brock Nelson looked good last night, he had an outstanding deflection. For the second goal, outstanding. Not even outstanding. just any deflection, grumpy old man. I'm not sure if you remember that first period. He had a hell of a dangle where he undresses Lindgren. I mean, that was a great play. He just hits it off the crossbar right in like the last few minutes there, of the first period. I, he had a, again, Brock Nelson having moments of brilliance only bodes well for the team. And he had a few of those last night. I don't know what your issue is with that line. Okay. Here's the thing. If he was really good, he would have scored on that. I knew what he was going to do. I knew what he's going to do. And here's the thing: I knew, I knew what movie he was going to do. It's the only movie he's gotten this, this little book. Oh, the only move. Okay. Now that said, it worked yesterday. He out, he uh, faked out the Ranger defenseman, and of course, Clank or just off the top of the post. I think it was actually saved. So, but it was a nice play, and I thought he played well. I just Michael Del Cole is another guy who just. I'm sorry. He hit the post wide open, and you can't even put it on net. I'm, I, you know, whatever. We just kind of are what we are at this point. You know, Kyle Palmieri, your doppelganger, uh, you know, he didn't do much last night. I'm sorry. You're gonna, if you keep liking me to Kyle Palmieri, you're going to have to – you're going to make me the biggest Kyle Palmieri fan that's ever existed. I don't want to be. Uh, you know, I don't want to show favoritism towards anybody. Grump, but if you're going to keep likening me to him, I, you know, I'll have to pull very hard there for Kyle Palmieri and his personal successes. I'm going to tie his successes to my successes there on the show. I would still like to see Kyle Palmieri play a game or two with Matt Barzell. I would love to see that line just for a game or two, not 
you know, one shift or two shifts. I'd like to see it for a game. I mean, the first line, if, if Matt Barzell isn't doing it individually, that line is dead because you're just playing with two guys on that line. Rather, you have Zajek or uh, Lollipop in there. Uh, that's just kind of what you have. And it's got to be individual effort from Matt Barzell. I mean, it just is what it is. The fourth line is what it is. What's going to happen? Of course, who got sat, though, yesterday? And you knew it was coming, right? Bailey comes back. Who's going to sit? Well, it's not going to be Lollipop. It's not going to be Zajac. It's going to be Oliver Wallstrom. And it was. Oliver Wallstrom played last night. No, he did not. Did he not? Nope. He did not play last night. He was benched. Michael Del Cole. Twilight Zone? Oliver Wallstrom didn't play last night. No, he did not. Sorry. Really? Wow. Shows you how much I, I got off late from work too. You get, no. We got there. You got Lou pinging you too. He's saying, "Don't speak about Oliver Wallstrom not playing." Grumpy, don't speak about it. He doesn't. He doesn't like me to speak anything bad about the Islanders. You know. Yeah, man. I got off late from work. Uh, I kind of missed some of the first period. I really thought Oliver Wallstrom played last night. Wow, I'm embarrassed. Nope. And he and he mixed the lines up and. You know, that the Bavillier line with Pajot and Bailey was outstanding. You had uh, Nelson with um, Palmieri and Del Cole. The first line was Zajac, Barzal, and Eberly. So it's just Barzal and Eberly. And then the fourth line was Matt Martin, who I didn't think played uh, really extremely well. But his hit on where uh, Jacob Truba really changed the tenor of the game. It really did. And it, to me, I mean, he just must have hit him right, and he must have banged his head off of there pretty good. He was on he was on Queer Street, you know, just woo all over the place. So he got he got run pretty hard. As soon as he went down, he's trying to stand back up, and he's, I feel like, you know. He got, he got his bell rung, and he missed the rest of the game. And that kind of changed the tenor of the game as far as I'm concerned. Other than that, I didn't think Matt Marley. He wasn't, he wasn't up to his $6 million Matt, man. Matt Marley? Matt Marley, you're speaking so quick, Grump. He Just wasn't up to everything a, off so quick, Grumpy. He wasn't up to a six million dollar man uh, um, uh, normal performance. He was at the dollar ninety eight beauty show performance last night. <laughs> Another TV reference. Goodness gracious! Do you know what? Do you know what the dollar ninety eight beauty show is? No idea. I have to assume it has something to do with hey, you have a dollar ninety eight cents. We want to see how beautiful you can make somebody look, or what type of makeover you can give somebody. Is it something like that? I assume, Grump. No, it was a TV show uh, produced and uh, developed by Chuck Barris, who also did the Gong Show, uh, and it was like you'd be a you're like the beauty queen of the day or whatever, and you win a dollar ninety eight. It was the dollar ninety eight beauty contest or something like that. Back a show from the seventies, nineteen seventies. Oh goodness gracious, grumpy old man! I'm looking. I'm just looking at the images right now. I can only imagine. I can only imagine, grumpy. Uh, that being said, yeah, I, it was a very, very complete performance. Maybe that's why I also didn't really notice Wallstrom was there. I missed the first clip, our first uh, little portion of the game. But yeah, that, that Truba hit completely had altered, I think, the path that it was on. It was funny, like earlier on that shift, Truba lays a huge hit there on Martin. Martin, you know, immediately claps back and goes ahead and hits Truba and completely alters alters the tenor of the game. And it, and that's a team where the Rangers, I mean, they were on a four-game winning streak. And yeah, I mean they've been extremely hot. I mean they've been the best team in the league over the last uh, two weeks, I believe it was two or three weeks. Uh, 
they almost have to be in win now mode all the time because I mean, like you know, the, the Boston Bruins aren't slowing down anytime soon. They seem to be hitting stride. It's the same exact thing there with the Penguins and the Islanders and the Capitals. So I just think they have too much ground to make up in too short of a time. I mean, there's the equivalent of ten games left here for the Islanders. That's why that huge that game was so huge and that win was so big, is that it puts the Rangers ten points down with ten games to play. I mean, we really have to completely implode at this point not to make the playoffs. To me, the team to watch out in our division is Boston because they have Buffalo, I think, five more games the rest of the way. Those are – or four or five more games the rest of the way, and that's automatic eight, ten points. Really? I mean, and they're hot right now. They're hot right now. Well, here's my thing. I mean, all things aside, with ten games left – how comfortable do you feel that the Islanders still have a chance there to win the division? I think Boston's going to win division. Really? I really do. Uh, you know, when they make, you know, when you make a deadline move, uh, the player who you pick up is expected to produce. Taylor Hall has. Anthony Mantha has. Kyle Palmieri. Teams. Now you jump a teams. But, yeah, Taylor Hall yeah. has. I'm just drawing. And Kyle Palmieri, not so much. Ah. <sighs> Well, Zajac has performed. He's got a goal. But so does Kyle Palmieri. They both have a goal scored. Yeah. And between them, they don't have as many goals as the other two guys individually. Yeah. Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell. We're a team that needed a lot there. We were able to dress a few holes. So I'll be interested to see how they gel. I don't think we're going to collapse. And even, even if we were to go on a streak, you know, a rough patch here, or like a rough patch continues. I, I don't foresee that. Even if it does, I mean, if we're pretty safe. I don't. I don't think there's any way we miss the playoffs. No, and it's all. It's all right now about hey, can we win division? Can we get home ice advantage? I, I've mentioned it plenty of times. We do not lose at the Coliseum. We are the best team. We have the best home record in all of hockey this season. Yeah, um, the next three games against Washington are going to be key. I, See, and that's why I feel Boston's going to take the division. They have a much easier schedule down the stretch, and the Islanders and the Capitals are going to be going at it tooth and nail. So you know they're probably going to split or however. You're not going to see anybody sweep. I don't feel you'll see anybody sweep those three games. Um, and I just think it's an opportunity for them to take over. Remember, they got, I think, three games in hand on both teams. So Boston, to me, the way they're playing right now, they're in the driver's seat. Really? Yes, I, I just I just don't see it. I mean, like I get, I guess, I guess Boston still has quite a few games left. You forget though, grumpy old man. Our schedule, it's not easy by any means, a stretch of the imagination. We've got the Capitals three games in a row here. That's going to calf. That's going to uh, seal off. I was going to say cap off, but that's going to seal off the rest of the games we have against the Washington Capitals here this season. So we have three games in a row against the Capitals. Then we play the Rangers twice, the Sabres twice, the Devils twice, and then we end on the Boston Bruins. Interesting final stretch of the season. That's all I, I have to say. I was about to say, and who's to say – and. Three games from now, if the Rangers aren't winning every single game, it's really easy to lose that momentum. It's really easy to lose that gusto that you play with and the confidence that you're playing with when you know you're almost close to mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. If they're not able to go ahead and produce points over the next three games, over the next three game stretch that the Islanders have too, by the time we play the Rangers, they could be all but done, dead to rights. So that might be you know a shell of what we've seen for the Rangers' performance earlier on this season. 
You got the Sabres twice, the Devils twice, and we end there against the Bruins, who have played us. I mean, they, they played us really, really tough here the last two matchups we played there away from the Coliseum. Well, even the games where we beat them, uh, the games were close to like that one game, the one game we blew them out. It was close in the third period and we took over. But other than that, all those games were close that we won. So, like I said, I don't, Boston's always a tough match for us. And Taylor Hall brings them an element that they didn't have before. It's, it lengthens this, the uh, depth of their offense, which was key for them. Well, they've always just been a one line team. Pasternak has not been great this year. Particularly, I think like in the last 18 or 19 games, he only has three goals. But now that second line, Krejci has been rejuvenated playing with Taylor Hall. And they're going to be tough to beat. And now they're goaltending. Rask is looking good. And uh, the kid, um, Swayman, is also looking extremely good, as we saw firsthand. Here's here's the thing. Uh, you know, the Bruins, we've played them extremely well this season. And even if we lose the last game we play against the Bruins, we still – we still come away with, you know, our, our, I guess our series of eight games, you know, with at least five wins. If you would have told me that to start the season, hey, you know, you're playing the Bruins eight times and you're going to win five of those games, I would be elated. So even if we go ahead and lose that last game of the season there to the Bruins, hopefully it doesn't have an implication as to where where things are going to end up regarding placement. Yeah, but if you're playing eight games and you would have said you won the first five and then you lose the last three, including three down the stretch – uh, that's not a good thing. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, yeah, we win five out of eight. But once you win that first five, losing the last three is not a good look, particularly against a team that's extremely hot like they are. Uh, like I said, I don't like Boston, so I'm naturally afraid of them because I don't like them. Oh, my God. Is there anything you're not afraid of, Grumpy? Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm not afraid of. But as an Islander fan, I don't like Boston. I, I feel that they're a team that honestly – they we play similar styles – but I think uh, their first line is better than any line on this team. It's really odd because it's funny to see your your take on the Boston Bruins evolve. Because, I mean, before the trade deadline, you thought, hey, we want to play the Bruins. We want to play the Bruins. We don't want to play the Washington Capitals or the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was your take. And now after the trade deadline, you're like, I don't want to play the Boston Bruins. Grump, I, you know, here's my thing. As things are changing, and again, I'll be it. You know, they added Taylor Hall that did add, add a different element to their team as well as Curtis Lazar. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, who would be the ideal candidate for the Islanders to match up against first series of the playoffs? Who would you want to see if you're the Islanders organization? I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I think all the teams in the division are really tough. I wanted Boston earlier because they were not playing well. They had a, a bunch of guys injured, and they looked like they were totally adrift. Then uh, they get the Hall trade. They get a couple of guys back. And all of a sudden, like I said, Hall lengthens their offensive depth. And that that's key for them. That really is. And what he's done for Krejci, again, I'm going to say again, Krejci's been really, really good since Hall got there. I mean, you can stop a one-line team, but if you have two lines that can score, they're a lot more difficult. We don't have two lines. I mean, we don't. What? You can score consistently. Oh, I don't know. That's where you and I disagree in, in, in a little bit. I know we haven't had a lot of offensive production. When we had when we had the best third line in hockey put together, and when Matt Barzal was absolutely driving the first line, those were two lines that could score. 
um, you know, long term, I'm still thinking to myself, yeah, we still do have a little bit of a hole at that first line left wing position. There's no doubt about it. You're speaking about how hot the Boston Bruins are. They're on a five game winning streak here. And to speak a little bit more about their schedule, they play, yeah, you're right, the Buffalo Sabres four times the remainder of the season. They play the New Jersey Devils twice. They play the Rangers twice. They play the Capitals as well as the Islanders once, and they play the Pittsburgh Penguins twice. They have, obviously, they have games in hand, but you have to, if you're the, you're a Boston Bruins fan. Hey, if you're telling me down the stretch, we've got, you know, the Buffalo Sabres four times and, and the New Jersey Devils twice over the last, you know, 10, 12 games. You know, I, I've got a smile on my face thinking, hey, we can really clean up against these opponents. Right. Exactly. That's my point. They have the much easier schedule uh, down the stretch, and that's going to benefit them. I mean, they're not going to lose to Buffalo, and they're not going to lose to Jersey. So that's six wins there. I mean, like I said, they're only four points out of first place. They're only four points out of first place with games in hand. Washington and us are going to be banging banging our heads against each other for the next three games, so somebody's going to lose points there, either us or Washington or both. Well, that's, and, that's a thing too, right? Obviously, the Washington series is going to have a lot riding as to who comes you know, out of that three-game stretch there being the leader uh in the division but uh you know if we're going to battle it out if we're going to duke it out if there's no overtime games over that span uh, yeah the, the boston bruins could definitely pick up momentum i understand what you're saying good because you know i'm never wrong on these things oh stop oh grumpy old man stop 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 um i will say this much um you know i feel like we kind of glossed over the game because it was so great man oh man we saw everything firing on all cylinders. And I, I think we saw also the Rangers season end last night. We've we've played like that against the Rangers, where it's relatively kind of close, kind of neck and neck. The Islanders weren't able to put the puck in so much early on, or you know, they should have had more goals than what they actually produced. And you know, things are looking like the Rangers might have a sign of life. They scored that that goal to make it three to one. And it's like as soon as that happened, the, the Islanders just flipped the switch and you know they were caught in bad transitions. And uh, defense, they just weren't doing their job. So, I, you know, it was a good game. I just kind of wanted to touch back on that grump to see if he had anything left to say about the, the Islanders game against the Rangers last night. Yeah, time. we saw the, re- the return of Noah Dobson uh, and to the power play. And what does he do? I mean, he puts the puck on net. It's so key. And he was doing that yesterday, and it helped generate uh, a lot of chances in front. And, again, he's got Pulak out there and he can't hit the net. I mean, I like Ryan Pulak, but if he can't hit the net, you can't play on the power play. And, you know, he's a liability out there right now. And it was interesting before the game, you know, Barry was talking about how he wanted more pace uh, on the power play, you know, uh, quicker decisions. Well, I can't believe, I mean, they're slow on, they're mentally slow on the power play. I don't understand it. I mean, did it take you all year to realize that, I mean, I've been saying it all year. Just look at the pass and back forth. There's no urgency. I mean, and yesterday we played a little bit better, and I like Noah Dobson back out there, and it was nice to see him back out there. I thought he had a good game. I will say this much about it, too. Um, you know, The power play as a whole wasn't necessarily great yesterday. I know we did get a power play goal. It was one of those fluky ones. Noah Dobson throws the puck there. Uh, Kareem's off of a body. 
bounces to a wide open Anthony Bavillier. So again, obviously we were able to take advantage of that. I think the power play looked overly special. We had quite a few chances on the power play earlier on the game too. Uh, you know, we at least were able to capitalize on it, but speaking to it, the power play has been woeful as of late. We need to get that head in the right direction. And also remember the Rangers are not a great defensive team. They're not uh, one thing they can score. That's the one thing they can do. And we shut them down yesterday. I, found an interesting comment from Butch mentioning how, um, you know, uh, College Quinn, uh, thank you, D-Cut, uh, College Quinn, uh, you know, likes to put the kid line together where he's got Lafreniere with uh, It's with Lafreniere, Lafreniere. Okay, Alex. He likes to put him on the line with Kako. And uh, he's got like eight or nine goals this year. As in, what, he's 18 years old? I mean – you know what? What's wrong with that? They bring energy. What's, what's wrong with that is they're freaking losing. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. They've got great offensive ability. The defense, yikes. I mean, Shesterkin, good goalie as well. I'm going to tell you one thing. If you're thinking of, hey, we're the Rangers organization, if you don't change the results next season, Quinn has to be gone. I mean, this is a team that should make leaps and bounds forward just because of all the offensive talent they have. I mean, they've got the goalie, apparently, as well. You know, just shoring up the defensive side of the puck. If you don't make the playoffs next season, Quinn's got to go. I mean, like, I know the team's young, but the team has so much offensive acumen. They should be producing. I mean, like, this year was maybe a, eh, we don't know what's going to happen. Next year, it has to be, they have to be in the playoff pitcher. Otherwise, Quinn's got to go. Well, see, that's why I'm going to differ with your opinion there. I, If I'm a Ranger fan, I'm a fan. I'm actually pleased with their development this year. They're way better than they were last year. Defensively, it's a work in progress. They absolutely need uh, a more steadying defensive presence back there. They do. But offensively, they're ready to go. I mean, Zabinijad, uh, Buskevich, I mean, they've been really, really good this year. And that kid line, watch out. And Panarin, of course, I mean – I think you'd be nothing but pleased, and they're way better than last year. They do need to improve the defense, but they're an up-and-coming team, and they are setting goal without a doubt. You. you talk about how they're way better than last year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give that to you. I mean, we look back at the Metropolitan Division last year. I, I've got it pulled up. Remember, people forget the Rangers really put a press on later on in the season last year. I think this has been – Sure, I give him one year. If you're not producing with the Rangers and that and that uh, that roster next season, Quinn's got to go. Look at the Metropolitan last year, grumpy old man. Obviously, Capitals and the Flyers up there, Penguins. Then you see here Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Islanders, Rangers, all separated by two points. Obviously, some teams had game in hand, but the Rangers at the end of the season are not going to be separated from a playoff position by the matter of two points. I don't believe that's the case. And unless the Rangers are winning every single game here down the stretch, that's not going to be the case. I look at that as a step backwards. And if you don't make it into the playoffs next season with that team and roster, Quinn's got to go. I'm sorry. The, you have so much talent on that team, so much young talent that should ideally be progressing. There's no way in hell you should stagnate or take steps backwards. That's unacceptable. Yeah, I don't feel like taking a step backwards this year. That's why you and I are going to differ. I mean, if I don't you know. Make the playoffs next season. You have taken steps. In, I mean, you're stating a place. Okay, 
They were seventh last year in division. This year, uh, they're fifth. So that is an improvement, right? Here, here's the thing. With the offensive talent, the talent they have, it's not like, hey, we put a ragtag team together that was, I'm talking about a miserable seventh team. They weren't a miserable seventh team. Look at how close the division was top to bottom in the Metro last season. Just look at it. Yeah, I mean, but it's the same thing this year, right? And you're playing the same teams. It's not like you're going to fatten up against the Detroits and the Ottawas. I mean, our division is extremely tough, and I think they played extremely well. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what you're expecting for them. You were expecting. I guess we'll see where it is at the end of the season. I, I, as I've said again, if they don't make the playoffs this season, they don't make the playoffs next season. Quinn has to go. There's no excuses. I don't care who gets hurt, who gets injured. Quinn has to go. That's not a team. If you're going to say, hey, three years now, we've got a goalie who we expect to be, you know, an elite or franchise caliber goalie in Shesterkin. Oh, I don't even know. I popped up the uh, the number to call in, Grumpy Old Man, but I must have. Um, let's go ahead and accept this call here, Grump. It's probably. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. How are you doing today? What's up, guys? D-Cut, uh, what's going on? It's D-Cut. My boy D-Cut. Graham, thanks for the credit on College Queen. Appreciate it, buddy. No problem. That's what I'm here for. Everybody gets credit. All right. <laughs> Quick thing. A little trade. I'm bringing this up only because I called you last Wednesday. I, I gave the trade a C, and I told you the reason why. I said Palmieri's a righty. Should be playing right wing, look lost on the left wing. And uh, Zajac is basically a third or fourth line center. So this is where your GM could handcuff your coach a little bit when it comes to lineups. Barry finally realized yesterday, Palmieri can't play left wing. He moved him over to right wing on Nelson's line. And it basically uh, forced Wallstrom to sit. And that, that really hurt. To me, that's going to hurt the team in the long run. I think... We needed a left wing. We needed two left wings once Lee got hurt. We need one to replace Doc Cole, one, one to replace Lee. And he goes out and gets uh, a right wing and, uh, and a third or fourth line center. That now Barry has to start juggling people around. And you got guys like Gross and Staple, all these sheep telling Lou how great of a trade it was. They don't even look at the specifics. They don't look at the fit. You got to look at the fit when you make a trade. You can't just say, oh, we acquired X, Y, and Z. How do those guys fit? Last year, Pajot, perfect fit. Third line center, right-hander who could take draws on that side, especially in the D zone. This year, those two guys didn't fit. You see uh, Barry's having trouble finding places for both of them. What do you think, Rob? That's You're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. And the whole thing is, all right, and we knew that was going to be a problem, right? Think about it. Everyone's talking about, well, you got nine righties in the top 12. Well, someone's got to play the other side. And, you know, he, and you're right. Palmieri has looked lo as lost as TJ does reading ads. Yeah. That's exactly how lost he's looked. I mean, let's be honest, right? And he was he was better last night. He absolutely was. Yeah. But that yeah, line is on the right side, bro. Right. And that line is handcuffed now because you got Michael Del Cole on it. I mean, I'm just wondering what you, what he's what is he going to do come playoff time? I just you cannot go with the first line the way it is. I mean, is Everly not capable of playing on the left-hand side? I don't know. I mean, I've always found it interesting when we have guys who are like-side shooters, who is the player who gets shifted? And it's usually never the veteran. It's always the young guy. 
And I always wonder why. It's I always have been confused by that, honestly. Here's my um, thing, too. I want to comment on that, too, D-Cut. Now, you bring in Palmieri. You try to play him there at left wing. If you're going forward, are going to take the approach of, hey, he needs to play on the right side only. Now, we're going to have to sit Oliver Wallstrom. Remember, this is in the same breath the guy who just said how important Oliver Wallstrom is to the future, how much of an impact he's going to make, blah, 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 a whole bunch of coach talk. And to think about it, right, if this is going to continue the way it is, there's no spot for him in the lineup, and he goes back to the bench. Oliver Wallstrom should be a guy who is receiving time. He's got the offensive ability and the offensive acumen to where he can make an impact there on this team. And to think that now he's the odd man out, I mean, that's disgusting. TJ, I totally agree to, to me, but I but I I really blame more uh, Lou Lamarillo to Barry Trot. Basically, he made the trade. He brought in two right-handed players, one of them who can't play left wing, the other one who's really a center, and he, basically he plops him on Barry's lap. He says, "Yeah, fit him into your lineup." That's basically been the same lineup uh, for three years now. When you when you look at it, so I'm upset that Wallstrom sitting. I see the logic in it a little bit. He did hit a little bit of a wall the last two weeks. Hopefully, come. Hopefully, he gets back in the lineup. But uh, I really look at Lamarillo and I say, you know, you needed two left wings. Why are you going out and getting all these right-handed players? It made no sense to me. Like I said, I called last Wednesday. I, said, I gave the, the trade to see when all these other people are saying, "Hey, a minus, uh, staple, gross, all these minions." It's ridiculous. They don't look at the specifics. You got to look at specifics when you look at a trade. How do these guys fit in? There's only when they got them. There's 15 games left. You're asking a Paul Mary who said he hadn't played left wing since the, his days in Anaheim. We're talking about years and years. The guy looked clueless on the left side last night. Moving to the right side, his best game is an Islander even though he didn't score. Thanks, guys. Shout out to Islanders misery. All the boys out there. Have a good one. Thanks, Thank you so much. You know, I just want to comment one thing. You know, why would Lou do that? Perhaps it's because at his age, he forgot what the left and right are. Maybe well, he doesn't know that there's a difference between left and right anymore. Here we go, too, right? If you're going to try that out, and maybe this is, maybe this was Barry coming to a realization. Hey, you know, we originally, I will say one thing. I don't blame solely Lou for it if they're going to continue to roll out Kyle Palmieri on the right wing. I'm not because. The general manager is on the same exact page as the head coach, always and forever. They are going to talk about that. And, uh, you know, they obviously discussed we think that Kyle Palmieri could fit there at the left wing. We find out five games later, yeah, no, he, he doesn't look very comfortable. We don't think he can really do it there at left wing. So we want to put him back more onto the right wing spot in this position. I mean, he feels more natural there. I understand that. That also being said, though, Grump, man, oh, man, it makes you think. Now, if we're going to be sitting Oliver Wallstrom on a consistent basis, yikes. To send a voicemail, press two. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the grumpy old man. Who do we have calling in? It's Phil. Hey, Phil, how are you? Good, good, good. I, I'm going to need to disagree just a little bit with the previous caller in terms of uh, fit with righties, lefties, and as to why Wallstrom. Um, so real quick, if I may. Um, they don't have three lefties and nine righties or whatever Grump said. Last night, uh, to be exact, they were playing an even split of six lefties and six righties. Um, usually, it's Clutterbuck on that right-hand side on the fourth line, in which case you have five lefties and seven righties. 
Um, but I think we're all forgetting that last year, this was a team that started the season up until the trade deadline with nine lefties and three righties. So I don't read as much into handedness as most people are right now. With that being said, there's no question that Paul Mary has been infinitely better in the two games that he's been moved on to Nelson's right. They were probably the only line creating scoring chances against Philadelphia in that third period um, the other night. And then last night, I mean, I know Grum said that he didn't love the way that line looks, but I thought they looked fantastic. Um, Dal Cole defensively was an absolute rock. You might remember he had a key takeaway on Buchnevich that broke up a scoring chance. Um, the goal that Nelson scored on the tip, uh, that was a takeaway by Dal Cole, keeping it in the zone, getting it to Palmieri, to Letty, and then ultimately the tip to Nelson. So I thought that that line actually worked. And I don't think that Palmieri is in Wallstrom's spot. I think Dal Cole is in Wallstrom's spot. And Barry liked what he saw against Philly, and he wanted to try it again. I think it's a similar situation to what we saw with him giving Dobson a breather, and he mentioned this in his presser, that when you have 20-year-old kids who have never played in this kind of condensed schedule and have never played in the grind like this, you know, they hit a wall at times, and sometimes they do need a breather. Seemingly, it worked for Dobson sitting out because I thought he looked—he had his best game since he came off COVID list last night. And Walter, after going pointless in nine straight, coming in and out of the lineup after being banged up or whatever it was, he just hasn't looked good at all. Both statistically and analytically, he had been their worst forward in that three-game stretch since they brought him back to the lineup. So you insert Dal Cole, who no one's going to tell you he's a scorer, but to say that he wasn't contributing at all last night, I just don't think that's true. Here's, that's true. His mother called, and she also said he was not a scorer. That's correct. Here's here's my thing. Before I don't even know Grump. Here's my thing. So going forward, you ideally want to have Kyle Palmieri on the right wing, right? He performs better. He looks more comfortable out there. Jordan Eberle's not moving off the right wing. Josh Bailey's not moving off the right wing. And when Cal Clutterbuck comes back, he's not moving off the right wing. And neither is Oliver Walsh. I'm going to go ahead and play down there. So now, effectively, what you've done is you've gone ahead and said, here, young rookie who has showed that you have offensive promise and offensive acumen, now I want you to adapt and play on the left wing. Not only am I going to ask you to do this, but now, you know, the condensed schedule, everything else. Now I'm going to ask you to play the wing that you're not familiar with, the wing that you haven't played there before. We want to go ahead and throw you out there. I just don't think it bodes well for his success of Oliver Wallstrom. They did the same thing last year. So why why are you why are you keeping Bailey on the on the right side? You don't need a Bailey's a lefty. I know he plays a lot of right side because like I mentioned, last year they went into the season and the season before that, um, they had nine lefties and three righties. Bailey, someone who at junior played center, coming into the league, he started as a left winger, and then he was bounced around between the left and the right for a while. Um, he actually was, uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but Bailey Oposo Nelson was aligned for a while, and he was left wing on that line. So Bailey is, is very versatile in terms of his handedness, and he's someone who recently has been playing right wing in the past couple of years simply because they've been overloaded with lefties. But now that it's balanced out, you could technically speaking – if you're keeping that Zajac Barzal Eberly line as your top line, which it really shouldn't be. Really, in my opinion, I think Zajac should be the odd man out. But if you are intent on keeping that line there for whatever reason Barry has, you could probably put Bailey on a line with Nelson and uh, and Palmieri, where you have lefty in a left spot, a righty in a right spot, and Nelson at center, and simply put Wallstrom back with Paggio and Bouvillier. But the goal last night essentially was to win the game. Whatever Barry saw in Oliver over the last couple of games must have indicated to him the same thing that he saw with Dobson, which is this guy is not winning for me right now. 
and he decided to roll with Dal Cole. I think it was a, a situational decision. I don't know if it's going to have long-term effects, but they do have enough lefties and righties to match it in the way that you're suggesting, though. Well, I, I'm going to say one thing, Phil. I understand your points, particularly, okay, Dobson didn't look good, but, and uh, Walson wasn't look good. There's a lot of other players, veterans on this team, who have not looked good, and they're not even at risk for sitting down. And that's the problem I have with how Barry does that. If he has a chance to sit somebody, it's going to be the young guy every single time. Well, I want he's, to bring he's just he's just proven that. I want to bring something up, Grump, that you failed to mention too, right? In the past, anytime there's somebody who has to subjugate their position or subjugate where they're going to play in the lineup for somebody else, it's usually the young guy. And again, like we've had very, very limited data on this, but look at it last year, right? Noah Dobson enters the role. They make Noah Dobson play on the other side, a side that he does not play on, he's not comfortable on. So they stick Johnny Boychuk, who's the veteran, supposed to have more experience, you know, who can maybe go ahead and slide to the other defenseman in position there. Um, but they make Johnny Boychuk stay in the same position and slide Noah Dobson over. Again, I think Noah Dobson has, you know, at that point of time, he was more skilled. He had, you know, better skating abilities. Uh, so, you know, he maybe could cover up any types of mistakes. But I just don't think they're going to go ahead and move over Josh Bailey. They're the left wing. I really you don't would think you him. would you would think the veteran would be able to transition to a different spot easier than a young guy who's still learning to play the game, and that's the one that's the issue that I've always had with that. It's always a young guy who has to who has to uh, change positions as opposed to an older guy. I mean, it's always been like that. And it's, for me, it's just frustrating sometimes. You want to have your players, put them in the best chance to succeed. I mean, if you're looking at Oliver Wallstrom, he shouldn't have to worry about defensive responsibilities on his own wing as opposed to some veteran because you know he's held to a different standard than the veterans are. They just are. Yeah, I mean, listen, that last comment on Bailey, I, again, I don't think that's necessarily true. They've used the line of Bailey – with Barzal and Everly before. So, you know, again, I, you know, I think it was purely situational in terms of, you know, similar to the way they had Colburn in for Dal Cole. They did that with uh, Dal, uh, Colburn in for Dobbs and they had Dal Cole in for Lawson. Well, the one thing that's good is after watching Colburn for one game, I don't think we're going to see him again. I, I'm not unless somebody gets injured. I think, and shoot me for saying this, I think Hickey, is a better option at this stage in Coburn. But thanks. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, Grumpy Old Man. Oh, we got another call here. Coming back to back here, Grumpy Old Man. Brian P. Hey, what's up, Brian P.? You're live here with TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. What up, fellas? How are you? What's up, BP? I am. Um, yeah, it was a good game for the Islanders last night. Definitely one of their top two or three best of the of the year, I think. But they did score eleven goals in the previous eight games, so eventually they had to bust out a little. Yeah, like they were. I'm gonna piggyback off my man uh, D Cuts over there. He, um, I, I think you you just said something, TJ, about you like. Bailey only can play the right wing. He's a, he can play the left side, too. I would move him left. So this way, Wallstrom plays. Here's what do you my, think? Here's my thing. I'm not opposed to moving Josh Bailey to the left wing. I I would welcome it. 
I'm just not sure Barry's going to do that. And again, we've seen a very limited amounts. I really think he wants to go ahead and have number one veteran players on the ice as often as possible. And if he feels well, we like, know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if he feels like, hey, we've got now Kyle Paul Mary, who's going to make up for lack of offense there, he's going to go ahead and help spark it. Now we feel comfortable. The third line is clicking, relatively speaking. Why would I change things up? Why would I go ahead and move uh Josh Bailey to the left wing position? I mean, that line worked extremely well um last night. Like and like, would- I just don't know why they would change that up. And I just, well, I, just want to say, that we, we do want to pump the brakes a little bit. It was one game against a, exactly. that's right, a, that's a defensively deficient Ranger team. I mean, that's why, I mean, uh, that's why I'm not pumped as much as I, I mean, I'm ecstatic. We won. Don't get me wrong. We needed to win that game. Washington's a different animal. They really are. And I'll be interested to see how we come out tomorrow night. I really will. And uh, Saturday. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Like, it's one game. We, like, uh, that line, the third line looked great a bunch of times with different combinations. It looked good with Bellows and Walsham on it. You know, heaven forbid we have that. That was <laughs> scratched in one game. Yeah, yeah, but I, all I know is we got to fix the first line. The first, I mean, left wing, the two guys that were on the line with him since Anders is out. One goal in 17 games. Fellows on that line, three games, three goals, and he gets benched. Yeah, but he's young. First line was going to score. <laughs> I know. The Islanders have a, you know, when you get carded, when you go into a bar, you got to be 21. You get carded, Lou looks at the ID, up oh, 35, you can't get in. We need faith for Fellows and Wallstrom. <laughs> Very true. I find it, I mean, the one thing I find interesting is Taylor Hall's a left wing, isn't he? Isn't he a left wing? He's a left wing. Or he would have been a nice fit for that first line. Just saying. Which one? Taylor, Taylor Hall. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I asked for Anthony Sio and Hall. I wanted Hall and Anthony Sio. Both left-hand shots, both super fast. We could actually add speed to the team instead of being slower. <laughs> and they're both under 30. And they would have cost less. Well, that's why they weren't picked up. They're both under 30. Here, Here's my thing. I'm both under 30. I get it. I get it exactly. that we had we had production yesterday. Albeit it was one game. I have always been a big fan and proponent of if that line works, do not break it up. I mean that line of Pavilion, yeah. uh, Pajot, and Bailey playing the right wing gelled extremely well. I can promise you one thing: we're not going to see Oliver Walsh from out there in the ice tomorrow, or uh, unless he's playing the left wing position, unless they're Jimmy Jack and somebody around. I just don't think you break that line up there, especially the way they performed. If you catch lightning in a bottle and they're starting to gel and that line starting to find a little bit of offensive continuity, I wouldn't, I wouldn't switch it up. What's one thing that we've always learned from Barry. If the team wins with one of his geriatric lineups, he's going to stick with it. (laughs) Right. But it's true. Right. It's true. Whereas a young guy, even if they're winning, sometimes they'll change the lineup. But when an old, when one of the old lineups uh, wins a game, they never change. Never ever. You're not going to see any change tomorrow night from last night's game. That's my prediction. But here's here's like, don't you guys agree with me? Usually, a guy that plays off wing is a shooter because yeah. it, it, you know it sets you up for the one timer. You're inside. You're inside better. You know, angles to shoot at the goalie. Stanley is a passer. Wouldn't he be a better passer from his strong side on the left wing? I, I, and, and the fact that we have 
we're short on left hand shots. I think I, 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 I think you, I think you would do just fine on the left wing. I just like him further down the lineup. That's all I care. That's what I said. I was I was happy about him being on a third line because I'm I'm not a Bailey hater, but I'm not a Bailey lover either. I think he's a third third line player. That's perfect spot for him. That's what he is. He's a third he's a third line player. We always try to elevate him. His whole career, he's been trying to get elevated. But that when uh, you know with brass tacks, he's a third and he's he's a good third line player. And last night he was outstanding for Josh Bailey. Yes, he was. Yeah. Thank you so much for the call, Brian. I was a medal. All Thank right, so uh, I'll have you guys. Thanks, Brian. Do appreciate it. All right. Yeah, Grump. Uh, again, like. The way I'm looking at it, I just don't think they break up something that's working, especially for team. As as Brian mentioned, we had 11 goals over the last eight games. I'm just not sure the line that produced the best is something you want to change up or mix up. And so, again, I'm not saying Josh Bailey can't play left wing. He primarily plays right wing. Give us one second here, Grump. I'm just not sure they want to mix that up. Hey, you're live here with TJ and the grumpy old man. Who do you have calling oh, in? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is Mr. Brush. Brush. Scrubby Brushy. What's up, man? How we doing, gentlemen? Not bad. Not bad. It's uh, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday evening, and we got the Islanders coming tomorrow against the Capitals, so I'm, I'm gleeful as ever. I have this a question. A I have a question for you, Brush. Brush, I have a quick oh, here we go. Hold on. I have a quick question for you. Is Brush your real first name? No, my first name is Brian. Okay. But well, I'm going to call you Brush. Podcast <laughs> name is Brian. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's Brush. Let me I'll explain to you exactly what went down. There was there was somebody, a member of the Drive for Five, who accidentally screwed up my name and everything, and I just went off of what he said. And I've had this name on Facebook for about maybe a year and a half. Oh, it's a Facebook name. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a Facebook thing, almost like, you know, the thing with Tommy Baffy, Coach Tom, Coach Tommy Baffy and everything. Same thing with me. You know, I just went off of it and everything, and I've always had this name for a while, for a couple of years now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Brush, what, what do you have? Yeah. What do you have there for us today? Well, I think it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow night. Um. Look, uh, Trotz ended up changing a couple of lines around and everything. Third line and everything paired up pretty good. You know, a couple of the players had some good points. We'll be finally lit it up and everything. Little Spark, fairly, we're talking about fairly here, you know, after he was a little injury, came back, gave a little spark in the third line. You know, just, you know, I, I know there's a lot of haters out there with fairly, but you know what? Maybe he can continue this, you know, in the next couple of games. I know we got. Ten big games coming up and everything. Not worried about other other teams. We need to worry about the Islanders. Like I always say, Islanders come first. They win their games. They take care of their business. Then we'll be good. You know, okay. it's, it's not about other teams here. This is about the Islanders here. We don't we don't have to worry about other teams winning and everything. But, but, but Boston has had their problems with Buffalo before. You know, in a couple games. Yeah, but Buffalo did lose the other night. I get it. But you know what? Anything can happen and everything. It's it, it, it's about it's all about maybe someone gets an injury on another team and everything. That's advantage for us. You never know what's going to happen in the next ten games. Okay, yeah. I just want to address a couple of your points there, Brush. I'm glad you were monologuing for us, uh, but let me just say one thing. 
You say Josh Bailey, and Josh Bailey played excellent last night. Historically, does he string a number of really good games together? No. I'll answer the question well, for let's you. Let's get something straight here. Let's get something straight here with Bailey, okay? He might not be a goal scorer, but he's a point producer, okay? It's not all about scoring in this league. If you produce on a, on a line and everything, and he gathers points, I'm okay with that. It's always not about scoring here. It's the same thing with Barzell. We always know that Barzell is, is not always a goal scorer. He's producing, yeah. He does have hiccups, penalties, stupid plays sometimes and everything. But you know what? No one's perfect. You know, it's the, the Islanders' record shows it itself and everything. Just as long as, it, you know, it, the team gels together, that's all that matters to me. You know, I'm not going to – I'm not like everybody else where I call out one single player. Look at the Islanders' record. Look at where the things are. It speaks for itself. Trot is a big thing right there, too. You got to get okay. credit due and everything like that. You can't, okay. You okay. Can't. okay. Okay. Stop. Stop. Please, 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 please stop. Okay. Here's the thing. You said it's not about scoring. It is about scoring because you have to score to win games. And – Josh Bailey does produce points because he's the king of the secondary assists. He's always the beneficiary of somebody else creating. Uh, and you realize that he scored two goals last night. He scored a multi-goal game for the first time since 2019. It's been over two years as a guy who's played on the power play consistently, as a guy who's played on the second line consistently, the guy who is, if not the leader in ice time, second leader, and he's only scored more than one goal in a game once since 2019. Once you're going to pinpoint it. You're going to pinpoint it on one player. But look at what the Islanders' record is. I don't think we're pinpointing on anybody. I don't think – I think Grump is – I think Grump's happy. I, think I am happy. I'm glad he played the best he's ever played. I'm just saying if you're expecting production like that, if Josh Bailey plays like that every night, you'll never hear me complain about him. The whole thing is he does not perform like that every night. That Those, those games are few he and doesn't have to. He doesn't and have to. He doesn't have to because there'll be an no, he doesn't because there'll be another player stepping in. Oh and my god. Like Hold I on. said, Hold look on. at the Islanders record. Is that the is that is that the, the, the good humor truck driving by? Everything is in rain in rainbows and gun drops, you know. We scored listen to me, Josh. Listen to me. We scored eleven goals in eight games. Eleven goals in eight games. That's okay. Eleven. That's okay. Yeah, that's where I disagree. And that's a bit. okay because there'll be another player in place them that will produce. It's easy as that. Look at the Islanders' record; it speaks for itself. It it does. It does speak for itself. All I'm gonna say is this, though: over you know, that last over the last it's stretch, the same as that. It, we've it, been struggling. It, there's it, there's no doubt about it. I think it, we've got it. We, we're correcting. We're right. course correcting a little bit. That's the most important portion. Exactly. He, here's my exactly. thing. Exactly. It's about finding the. I still think. Barry is somewhat hamstrung because I I think it would be criminal after the performance we saw last night to go ahead and separate that third line. I really would. As much as as much as I think like, hey, you know, Bailey can't play the left wing. I want to see Oliver Wallstrom line up. It would be criminal to ch to change up that line that produced so well. I'm like, hey, you ride the hot hand. So I'll be interested to see long term what happens here. I, we can all agree, though, continuing to roll yeah, out. I agree. Leo, I totally Leo Komarov, Travis totally Ajak, or or Michael Del Cole on the left wings. There, I mean, like that. That's not. It's just not. It's not going to be sustainable for long term success. Thank you so much for the call, Brock. And and, and 
Thank and you for bottom line call. is, bottom line is, yep. Thank you. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Brush. Uh, yep. Grumpy, rushing people off the phone over here. Hey, Brush got five minutes. I'm sorry. That, let me tell you something. If I was handling a call, I let him make his point, and then I cut him off, and then I comment. Oh. You're way too nice. You're way too nice. I am, I am way too nice. I like to hear. I like you know what, Grump. I am way too nice. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to change it up in the future. Yeah, I guess I am way too nice. Uh, yeah, but that's the biggest thing for me going forward, though, Grump. What is going to be the layout? What's going to be the layout of of, uh, of the forward grouping we have? Because just long term, it can't be Zajac, can't be Michael Doe Cold, can't be Travis Zajac, can't be Leo Comro, can't be Mister Lollipop. So, why Barry's happy with that configuration? He's happy with it. He loves it. They play defense. That's what he says. Like he was talking last night. You can you know that. The, that people that the Islanders brass has been hearing the complaints about Leo Conroe playing the first line because when he comes out and volunteers information in a pregame press conference, okay, this is what we're hearing from the fan base. Why is Leo playing? And what's he say? Well, it's not fantasy hockey. Well, you want to know something? Your first line has to freaking score. That's what they're there for. They're not to be grind. They're not there to be grinders and pass off to the next line. Matt Barzal, when he's not scoring, guess what? It means you have to do whatever you can so to help that guy score. It can't be everything individual. Your first line is supposed to produce points. That's what your little pal Brush doesn't get. 11 goals in eight games is not acceptable under any scenario. None. Oh, goodness gracious, Grumpy old man. Play nice, Grump. That's all I'm going to say to you. Play nice. I am I am playing nice. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. I, I mean, I, here's the thing. If I'm not listening to that, I don't know. Uh, uh, so, uh, but I, I will tell you this: it's it's just the eleven the eleven goals in eight games is not good. It isn't. We're going to see a lot more how that trend continues because if we come out and lay a goose egg there against the Washington Capitals, yikes! I don't see that coming, but yikes! Um, and you know we play them three games here. I'd like to see us continue to pick up where we left off. I. We match up tit for tat well with the Capitals. I'd want to win two of the three games out of them. I think that would be a success for us winning two of the three games. And I think it starts with tomorrow night. I don't think we can come out and lose tomorrow night and expect to win two out of three. I feel we have to win tomorrow. I think the team that wins tomorrow night is going to have the edge up uh, for first place at this particular juncture. I still think Boston's going to take over the first place. I just do. I just feel like they're on a roll right now. The depth of their lineup is uh, really starting to kick in. I hate I hate them, but they're really playing extremely well right now. Grumpy old man. Uh, we'll start jumping into some comments here, too. Um, again, the phone lines are open. We'll start jumping here into some comments. Um, yeah, David C., I know he called in. D-Cut says they're – Coach Quinn is was overmatched yesterday. I'll tell you, just not sure he's going to be there long term if he doesn't start producing results. Let's be honest, Barry's a better coach than uh, than uh, Quinn. Without Barry, doubt. Barry's a top five coach in all of hockey. I mean, like, uh, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Barry's an excellent coach. It makes he, you think, like, what would Barry do with the team? Well, I could tell you what Barry would do with a team like the Rangers. He'd have an aneurysm and die. Based off their lack of defensive res- responsibility, I think he would croak over and die. I'm going to tell you what would happen. You bench a lot of players. I could tell you that much. You bench a lot of youngsters. Kako would be playing. 
Lafreniere wouldn't be playing. Wouldn't. Okay, wouldn't be playing. Gotcha. Uh, Miller wouldn't be playing. The young guys would not be playing. I mean, so would they just not field the team out there. They just be skating with lines of like four people every single time. Four guys. Uh, no, he pick up some ham and egg scrappers to just throw them in the lineup. That's what they do. Oh goodness gracious! I'm just going to say one thing about Barry Trotz. For a guy who won a Stanley Cup, Washington made no effort to keep him. No effort to keep him. That should tell you something. It should tell you something. And I love. I'm so glad we got Barry Trotz because we were down and out at that point in time. But historically, he's a great regular season coach, not a great playoff coach. Here's the thing. We've talked about it before. I just think I, I just thought I'd bring it up again. Oh, stop. I mean, the money they paid him was too much. We've gone over that. The Islanders paid him the most. Come on now. We know that. And Frank K says there, what grumpy, I would say you've been talking so much. I'm shocked you haven't been drinking more water there. I'm pacing myself. You're pacing yourself. Okay. Frank K there with the luscious lock says top notch performance last night. Truba got destroyed by that mat truck. By a mat truck. I said by the Matt truck. I'm calling up the Matt truck. I'm throwing no, a respect. No. He's okay. the Matt truck. Listen to me. Frank's doing a play on words here. Okay. It's called a Mac truck. So he said he got destroyed by a Matt truck. I get it. I get you it. You don't get it. Can't handle the heat. It was clean. It was a clean hit. And the Rangers fans were crying about it. It was a clean hit. Nothing wrong with that hit. Yeah, no, not at all. And Scott L. They're saying, "Hey guys, in that game changed when Martin clobbered Truba. For certain, it did. Yes, for certain it did. And I'll tell you, uh, it wasn't a dirty hit. I cannot believe it. Ranger fans are out there saying it was a dirty hit. Man, oh man, it was. He turned up. He centered up, and he just it was the, the collision there. I guess after the shoulder hit, uh, Truba, you know, the head kind of jarred against the boards. That was that was the issue. Yeah. Hey, you know what? He got hit with a clean hit. He got injured. Good for us, bad for them. What can I tell you? Brian J says, hey, guys, it's been a while. Let's go Islanders and let's go Rogaine on TJ's head. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Man, Brian hates your head. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I don't mind. It is what it is here, grumpy old man. Um, gotcha. I, I'm reading here through comments. It's going to be, hopefully we'll be able to get to all of them today, grumpy old man, because I know it was a recent week. It's been taking us a little while longer to well, get you to you let Brush stay on the air for 45 minutes. Oh. Doing nothingness. Stop. Stop, grumpy old man. Oh, it was like rah rah. I thought I thought he was like Joe College Quinn out there, the way he was going on. Oh. One guy's down, another guy steps up. Come on now. Oh, Grump. What you didn't like that talk? Come on. Come I, on. I had to educate him. I had to educate oh, him on some things. Stop, 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 stop. But he told me that scoring goals that uh, scoring goals is not important. I don't know where to go from that. No, he said it's not end all be all. I understand his point. And you over there take it to the exact other edge. I'm like, oh, God. Just left here, like, uh, what are you going to do? I felt like one of those. You ever see the comics, Dilbert? Yes. Dilbert comments. It's like, you're over there. He's over there. And I'm just a guy in the middle, like, ah, shit. I'm just in the shit storm. That's what it like, felt like. Like I said, you, you let him make his point and I cut him off. Okay, fair enough. I guess we're going to a strict ask a question, cut off type of comment, Grump, because obviously you've been. Not true. Not true, because if somebody's saying good things about me, you can let them talk all night. Oh, Jesus Christ. Moving right along there. Brian J says, I thought Kyle, Kyle Palmieri would have had a bigger impact, looking like Hall should have been the guy, in my opinion. Uh, well, 
what I'll say about that is Hall really wanted to go to Boston, so we don't know if it would have worked out here, but he was certainly was a better fit for what the Islanders needed. Uh, he forced his way to Boston, so but, I mean, supposedly we, we offered a second-round pick and uh, uh, Kiefer Bellows for him, and it wasn't enough to get him. So let's give up a first round and a fourth for a guy who doesn't fit. That was real smart. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Lou. Oh, goodness gracious. Angelina says, star equals Uncle Leo. The lollipop is a star, grumpy old man. Sorry, Angela. I got to disagree wholeheartedly on that one. Not Nick Horwat. Oh, my God. Look at what he's wearing. Yikes. That is disgusting. Says, love the shirt, grumpy. Yeah. It's a old clash London calling shirt, which was kind of like a this uh, album cover. It was an album cover, cover for London calling. Great double album by the clash. Was kind of like a playoff on uh, Elvis's 1956 album, his first album that, that they put out. Kind of the same look to it. Well, grumpy old man, moving lighter right along there. Will S says, "What's your take?" And I don't even know how to pronounce that. Cole Quitman's finest, Matt Barzell's game. Gotcha. I mean, what was it? What's your opinion there, on Matt Barzell's game last night, grumpy? I didn't think he played. I I just think that right now, being hamstrung with no left winger, is affecting him. He took a penalty, and if you could believe it, Butch actually did not rip him for it. Uh, and that was all because Everly made a weak pass to him, which caused a turnover uh, at the blue line. And he – he, I mean, but honestly, he was tripped. He was dragged down. He was held to turn that puck over. No call there, but they certainly called on him. And it was a penalty on him, but it stopped the breakaway. So, you know, but other than that, I thought he was nondescript last night. Coach Tommy Baffy says, hello, gents. Great win last night. That is for sure. I'll tell you, uh, you want to see the Islanders build off of that. You really do because, I mean, it, we look dominant. We, we had a full 60-minute performance, relatively speaking, and uh, you want to be able to carry that momentum against the Capitals. I mean, man, oh, man. Tell me it wouldn't be good to see. I mean, like if we come away with two two wins out of three games against the Capitals, assuming they're in regulation, I think that puts us in the driver's seat for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, last night was big. Like I said, I felt last night was must win. Got to win two out of three against Washington. I mean, Pittsburgh and Boston both have easier schedules than uh, than we do down the stretch. You got to stay up on them. Got to stay up on them. Grumpfield man, comment here from Alex Klein saying, well, he said, what a clown you are. I assume this is you, Grumpfield man. You need some hockey respect. You question trots after a six to one undressing of the rags. You're an idiot. Grump. Well, I, I guess he's talking about me. I could care less. Uh, it's that recency bias. When we were getting our asses handed to us the last two weeks, did you think Barry was a genius then? Was it okay to question him then? I mean that's you know that's what I say. We got we were lucky to come out with against Philadelphia, a team that's given up on the season. We were lucky to come out with a win. If it wasn't for Sorokin, we would have lost that game. When you score eleven goals in eight games, you're not doing your job as a coach. You must get something out there so we can score, change things up. And he finally did last night. It took him two weeks, but at least he finally made a change last night. Here's but, Here's Don't get caught up with the recency bias. What's it, what's going to happen in the next three games? Let's see if we get rolled in the next three games. Is Barry Trotz the greatest thing ever then? No, people people that think that Barry Trotz is the greatest thing ever, no matter how poorly the Islanders perform, they're always going to be in the side in the understanding of Barry Trotz. You're just 
that's just how they are. There's a certain part of the fan base who is, and there's a certain part of the fan base who's always going to be questioning Barry Trotz and everything he does, Grump. And that's where you come in. So that's the funny part, right? Where you get the people who completely agree with anything he says and completely eh, take everything he says and, and analyze it there with a microscope like we do, Grump, and, and that's where it comes in. See, people don't like that. They don't like if – you know, the fans of the team, but I look at things realistically. I look with my eyes open with unvarnished vision. I don't look at there with through my orange and blue sunglasses. I look at it clearly. Uh, when Barry Trotz does good things, I say it. When he does bad things, I say it. He's not perfect, people. Don't think he's perfect. He is not. I do. I do. And neither is the grumpy old man. You ever played two Alex Klein says? I do love when people say it. Have you ever played? Have you ever been a general manager of a Stanley Cup championship team? I, I do love those comments. I'm like, let's speak about the actual content. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. That's Mike from YouTube. Hey, what's up? Mike from YouTube. You're here live there with TJ and the grumpy old man. How are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you doing? Great. Not bad. Not bad. All right. So I'm not going to kick Barry around right now. Uh, I have faith in the man. I don't really have faith in the system so much, but I'll let it play out for the season. If they get bounced in the playoffs next season, I'm questioning everything. And we have less assets to develop the team for the future. Uh, I want to know where you guys stand on the future after this season. I got to hang up. I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much, Mike. That is the way you do a call. Fantastic job, Mike. Everyone pay attention to Mike. Here we go. Are you going to go ahead and give Mike a gold star and a few claps there? Absolutely. That's the way you do it right there. Oh, when you have when you have somebody who's weak, who's handling the calls. No, get the we have we have to have somebody stand up who, you know, with a little bit of common sense and respect that they know what to do. Great job. Oh, Mike. Well, thank you, grumpy old man. Go ahead, TJ. I'll let you feel this question. It's like even what it's like, it's like the 800 foot gorilla in the room what the future of the Islanders look like. And, and this is the thing, right? We can offload assets when we're in a rebuild time period, you know, Hey, because if, you know, if they're, if they're towards the end, you know, we could go ahead and sell off pieces at trade deadline. I get it. Yikes. This team is going to hit. If, if this is not the year, I think our window closes a little bit more every single year and it's going to be slam shut in the bad of the matter of two or three years. I'm talking about absolutely slam shut. Even though we have young pieces like Matt Barzal, Oliver Wallstrom, we've got pieces like Bavillier who might be on a move at the end of the season. We have no idea. We've got pieces like Noah Dobson. We've got younger guys there in the system, and we've got pieces like Sorokin. I'm just not sure if, based off the contracts we have, how we would be able to get rid of those. I mean, like Jordan Eberle, as much as we love him, how do you think Jordan Eberle's production is going to look two years from now? How do you think Andrews Lee's production is going to look two years from now? How do you think Josh Bailey's production is going to look two years from now? How do you think, and again, I think Brock Nelson might be able to produce somewhat similar, but you're not, when players enter their thirties, you know, younger to mid thirties, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good for production. You're just not going to, they don't age like fine wine. They age like vinegar, as Grump always says. And this is the thing. We always knew when Lou Lamarillo came here, he was going to try to win and push for a Stanley Cup now. He's a 77-year-old general manager, so I'm not shocked by it, but uh, I'm not necessarily thrilled for what the uh, what the future necessarily holds. Yeah. Uh, my point on that is you kind of hit the nail on the head. Here's the thing. Lamarillo knows 
that we're in win-now mode. Why else would you trade Devon Taves? Why else would you uh, consider trading Anthony Bavillier to bring in older veterans for this team? Because you're in win-now mode. Because we don't, we're not loaded in the farm system. We're not. We're one of the weaker farm systems in the league. And TJ is 100% correct. Nelson, Everly, Bailey, Letty, Lee, all these guys, they're not going to – you don't get better as you get into your 30s. You don't, particularly with the style of play that we play, where, you know, you have to be defense first. You have to be able to skate. you got to – I mean – our our, st- our style too is a style to where you can't get away based off a of skill set alone, and our our makeup isn't a team that could do that either. We're a team that has to get away with the unbelievable effort and commitment to the team and the system that Barry Chots has in place. The older you get, the tougher that is to do over a long term. It just is. I I, I don't I. I, I really hate to think about what the team's going to look like in two years because there's a lot of moving parts. Sure, we might be able to offload somebody. I, I'm just thinking to myself, we did we do not have the pieces in Bridgeport or thereafter to replenish if our team starts to age at a rapid pace. We, I, In my opinion, we don't have it. Right. I mean, like I said, Anders Lee, four more years. Brock Nelson, Three, five, five, whatever, whatever. How many more years they got? Usually four more years. It sounds like you were doing a campaign there for. Yeah, but I mean, they're, I mean, they're not going to be the players they are now, and they're going to be making a whole lot of money against the salary cap, and that's the issue. We had an opportunity to get younger, to do a rebuild. We had an opportunity, but we chose not to do that. We chose to go all in, and we just don't have the talent to go all in. We don't. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you one thing. I think, oh, I think grumpy old man, you are a guy who is in fan of the perpetual, perpetual off season. If it could be the off season and they could shorten the season to like two games, and the off season would be the other 51 weeks of the season, I think you would be relatively happy just to see like the aspect of building a team up. I mean, like the team being came in and inherited, it's impressive what they've done, no doubt about it. We knew they had to go for it. There's no, you can't. We lost John Tavares that offseason. You couldn't go in the next season saying, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, we're good here after bringing in Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo going full rebuild. See, I disagree. I think with Lou Lamarillo, with the cachet that he has around the league and with fans and Barry Trotz, you could have done that when you first came in. You could have done that. And you could have sold another rebuild. It's not like hiring Garth Snow, who'd never been – you know, anything, you know, but a goalie in the hockey world. It's not like hiring Mike Milbury, right? But no, this is about a guy who has an established track record. We could have, you could have convinced the fans. Now, what are the fans expecting? Are they expecting us to, I mean, and that's why we're getting this thing with Barry Trotz and Lou, they can't do any wrong because we're better than we were for years and years and years. And I understand that. But if you look big picture and I'm a big picture guy, the future is not now for us, all right? They think it is, but it's not. We're not good enough to win right now, not win a Stanley Cup. So the, the sooner you start to rebuild, the better. I mean, and I, getting rid of guys like Devon Taves or trading off young assets to continue to keep older players is a mistake, in my opinion. Grumpy old man. <sighs> you and I disagree there. I think we were ready there for a push, and it showed. I think we're on the cusp. 
you're a fan of the perpetual rebuild. I'm not. That's not true. That's not true. I, that's not true. I, but I feel if the pieces aren't good enough and the pieces aren't good enough, you need to do what you need to do to get better. You don't double down on something that's not good enough. And that's what I feel that we're doing. We're doubling down on a team that isn't good enough to win. Okay, think about it. Last year, when did we fall off after 50-some-odd games, right? This year, we had our lull. Who knows how we're going to play? Can you imagine this team as an older team going 82 games and then the playoffs, I just don't see it. It's going to be tough. That's for certain. Again, so long-term, not necessarily enthralled about the prospects. Um, comment here, though, from Paul D. I actually agree with the grumpy old man that Boston has a good shot at first place, games in hand as well. Yeah, I, I, I think Boston's a team to watch out for right now. Is that the team I picked to win division at the beginning of the year? I think, I, I think we both picked Boston to win division at the beginning of the year. I'll tell you this much. Uh Actually, I picked the Capitals. You picked Boston to win division at the beginning of the year. Okay. So, again, you know, it's not crazy out of the question that both of those two teams are extremely close there to hand. I think the only real mistake I made was thinking that Philadelphia had a chance to beat out Pittsburgh, and that certainly didn't come to fruition. Yeah, no, Philly definitely – they failed miserably this season. Uh, JMLD says it doesn't happen overnight. The team has to gel with new players. Grump, that's, I assume, going to you. Um, how long do we have to wait for these guys to gel? Anthony Mantha's had no problem. Taylor Hall's had no problem. Why is it that uh, that Kyle Palmieri's having such an issue? I mean, is it and is it purely the fact that he's playing on his off wing? I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, I'm, but I, I tell you, it did look like that. It looked like he was lost out there, and I'm like, wow, interesting. I was I was actually surprised to see him look so lost, honestly. And he has looked better since he's been on the right-hand side, without a doubt. And Scott L says, Grumpy's Purple Juice makes an appearance there. Oh, goodness. Oh, grumpy old man, I'll tell you. Um, wow. Yeah, that's what Brian J was saying there. It's been seven games already since they've been traded. You know, how yeah. many exactly do you need? Again, like I understand. I look at it like this. After three-game stretch against the Capitals, if – you're not gelling if you don't have the if you don't have the uh, cohesion that you're supposed to have there on a team in a unit after ten games. It usually doesn't bode well, <laughs> not for long term success at least. Right. I just here's the thing from what I've seen of him so far this year, I don't want to even consider resigning him. Let him go. Here it is. Eves Leggin, I got the name right. I practiced over and over again. I said Del Cole looked good last night. It's Eve, not Eves. Eve. Oh, uh, you know, it was close enough. Eve. Yeah, that's I'm sure that's what he would say too. Hey, you close can, enough. You can, me, you can let me know. I was close enough on that one. I was better than I have been in the past. Eve says Del Cole looked good. Um you've seen a lot of those comments, Grumpy. Del yeah, Cole. okay, okay. What is good? Skating up and down the wing. And forechecking a little bit. I mean, he's just a ham and egger. He's just a guy. He's he's. They're saying he looked good last night. I'm talking okay. about his skill set looking good. They just said again last night. Let's see. How, let's see how he looks against Washington because the Rangers. You can do that to the Rangers. You can't do. You're not. We haven't been able to do that to Washington. That's all I'm saying. All year we have not been able to do that to Washington. The Rangers, yes, they're weak defensively. And you can do that with them. Let's see what happens when he goes up against Chara. 
He's going to be picking splinters out of his teeth is what's going to happen. Oh, come on now. Maybe we, dress, maybe we should dress Thomas Hickey tomorrow to go up against Charles. Hey, Thomas Hickey did knock Charles straight down to the ass. Don't ever forget that, grumpy old man. Don't ever forget it. Uh, Matthew S. says, we put the rag dolls in their place. They need to remember we're their daddies. I don't know. I don't hate the ring. I've never really hated the Rangers. Um, of course, I want to beat them, but I know some. I mean, some Ranger Islander fans have really intense hatred for the Rangers, and vice versa. Uh, me, the only team I really hate is the Flyers. Tommy B says Truba still on Queer Street. Yep. I don't know what that refers to. What's Queer Street? Queer Street's like you're wobbling all over the place, knocked out, like your head's messed up. Fair enough, you grumpy old man. I learned something new every it's an old term. It's an old term. Oh, goodness gracious. Scott from Jersey Side says there only the Devils can score six goals in the third period and lose. First time in NHL history that's happened for a losing team. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think seven to six. I think Pittsburgh. I was, I mean, I'm like, okay, that game's over. And then I found out it was seven six. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What happens? The Devils. I'm like, man, oh, man. Oh, yikes. That's all I've got to say. If you're a Devils fan, you have to be almost hopeless. I mean, like, even though the, the, the Buffalo Sabres were hideous this year, at least I have somewhat more. If I'm a, I'm a Sabres fan, I maybe have a little more hope. The Devils, though. Well, think about it. They did, they, did, they did something really good this year. They offloaded two pieces of garbage to us for a first and a fourth round draft pick. So that's a win for the Devils. Oh, goodness gracious. I'll tell you. Um, it took a while there, though, for Pajot to gel. I, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I want to go back to it. It, I mean, Pajot played well for the Islanders, but I, people he forget. Didn't, he, he didn't. When we when he first came here, he was, he was not a fit either. It could just be system. You have to subjugate your game to play here. And it wasn't until... Uh, the playoffs after the break that he did a little something. He's been much better this year for certain Pajot. Mm -hmm. And then Scott also saying there, if we advance, can we match up with the Canes, Panthers, or the Lightning? They're really good in that division. Those three teams are really good. The Hurricanes always give us trouble. And boy, oh boy, they were able to retool on the fly, weren't they? One of the youngest teams in the league. Uh, the Panthers are coached by probably the best coach in the league in Quenville and the Lightning or the Lightning. They're a tough match for anybody. They're a tough matchup for anybody who comes out of the division. If they have to play one of those three teams, they're going to have their hands full. Mike M there says, hello, my fellow Josh Bailey lovers. What a game he had. He didn't suck. Best game that he's played in quite a while. If Josh, I'll say it again. If Josh Bailey plays like that on a consistent basis, you won't hear me rip him. <laughs> oh goodness gracious i was about to say he had a good game I, you know I, I expect to be shredding him come saturday night though that's for certain you expect to be some type of lackluster first of all this team's a little bit physical so you know oh we'll stop, see. Stop. We'll see. coach he says i've shipped a josh bailey to you grumpy old man hey i'd wear it what the heck is it signed by josh oh Jeez, maybe, maybe if it's signed by Josh. I mean, like if they got a Seattle, I'd love to get Josh on the show. Actually, oh, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Grump. 
Well, moving right, right along there. Michael M says, Tommy, talking to Coach Tommy Baffy, how does it feel knowing that you have more hair than TJ and Grumpy combined? That's not true, Michael. That is not true at all. Unless he's talking about, I don't know, maybe Tommy's got a hairy back and chest. I don't know about that, Grump. Maybe. Maybe, but, but if he wants to know how much hair he's got on his chest and back, that's another question for Mike that I don't want to really ask. Uh, David D says they're the biggest disappointment so far is Kyle Palmieri. He needs to play on the top line. I mean, the whole thing is, why wouldn't you at least try him on the top line? I mean, that's that's my whole thing. Why not try him? See if there's a chemistry there. He's never gotten a shot. I mean, the first line's not working right now, and it's not because Anders Lee isn't there. It's just, I mean, you're playing with Leo Komarov or, or Zajac. I mean, it's like you're playing a two-man line. If he plays on, the, if he's going to play right wing, I have no issue with him playing on the second line with Brock Nelson. I think that's, I think it bodes there for success. I think you know, I thought Nelson had a few good chances. Paul Mary looked good last night too. Uh, that being said, just really wonder what's going to happen. I, I, I would break up that third line as the production they had. Uh, moving right along there, Tommy B also says, TJ, the Rangers are now going to use the Matt Martin sucks chant after the whistle for the next 50 years after last night. I 100% disagree. It's always going to be Pachman sucks, always. I mean, that was the year they really thought they had a chance to win the cup. And, well, they didn't. So, sorry. Michael M. also said he was getting an argument there on Twitter, a guy saying Nick Letty was having an A-plus season. An A-plus is Pelic and Pulak. Um, Letty has been good in burst, but some games, I mean, in every power play, he's lackluster. Okay, think about it. Why is he saying Nick Letty's an A plus this year? It's There's because nobody in our defense has played an A plus. I'm sorry, A plus. We're talking about you are top two or three defensemen in the NHL. Sure, I'm throwing Victor Hedman in the A plus category. I'm not throwing guys on the Islanders on the A plus category. I mean, like, I guess that's where it comes in, right? If I'm thinking A plus, I'm thinking maybe two or three players. A category is much more broad. A minus, again, even more broad. But A plus, man, oh man, you can't throw. It's like the Hall of Fame. People want to say everybody's going to be a Hall of Famer these days. It's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Good or the Hall of Great. It's the recency bias. It's the fact that, you know what? When I look at players, it's like there's so few A pluses. I mean, in the NHL, you're talking maybe five or six players tops who are in A+. Plus. Five or six tops. And none of them play for the Islanders. As much as I love Matt Barzell, none of them play for the Islanders. And, you know, somebody will say Nick Letty's an A-plus season. Well, maybe he's an A-plus when you compare him to how he's played the last number of years, which has been abysmal, okay? He has been better this year. I would give him probably because he still makes defensive mistakes out there. I give him a B plus. That's where I was going because he's been much better distributing the puck and rushing the puck than he had in previous years, but he's still not great defensively and he's still not a great match with Mayfield. So, but he has had a bounce back year. Pellick and Pulak, I don't think they've been as good as they were last year. I thought uh, they were much better last year before Pellick got hurt. Much better. I would give them a probably a B for Pellick and a B plus for Pulak because I've seen Pellick get walked around numerous times this year where Pulak, even though he can't, he couldn't put the puck in the ocean if he's standing on a pier, 
he's been really, really solid defensively for the most part. And, you know, but here's the thing. As defensemen in a defense-oriented system, they've been they've been fine this year. Yeah. Brian Jay says the Islanders do not have very good prospect talent. No, most certainly that is, you know, that's the biggest portion of the hole left open there for him. Mike M also says four out of six games this season, we've held Panarin pointless. Our defensive core is top five, even Mayfield. And it's a system thing. It's a system thing. And, you know, when we're playing our game where we force everything to the outside uh, and, you know, we, and it's a structure. It really is. So, you know, and that's kudos to Barry. That's really kudos to Barry. Mike M also says, Mayfield was incredible the last two nights. Less mistakes. That's the thing. When you don't hear – that was one thing I noticed last night. I didn't hear much about Scott Mayfield last night, which is a good thing. Usually it's like, oh, geez, not marking his man in front of the net, chasing a guy into the corner with three seconds to go instead of staying with his man in front. You know, those are not good looks. And he wasn't getting walked around. He wasn't having those – those uh uh, clearances where he's throwing it, almost passing it right to the opponent's stick. Uh, so, yeah, it's good we're not seeing those silly, stupid mistakes being made that Scott Mayfield has been known in the past to commit. He still has a penchant of throwing, clearing the puck up the center of the ice, though, which is like, oh, come on, use the boards, please. And Tom V there saying, uh, having a winger play off wing has a major advantage due to the ability for the one-time passes. Yeah, unless you get lost defensively. Like Palmieri has been. No. Oh. He, he's been lost offensively playing the left wing. Lost. <laughs> Goodness gracious. True. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. And then Andre T there says, funny how the Islanders are so dominant at home and average on the road. And there's no fans either. It is, it's hard to believe. I mean, I, you know, the whole thing is when fans get back in the building, then you really get to see who's a good home team and a good road team. I mean, his thing. We're performing well at home. Uh, and with fans, I think we'd only be better, but I, I just find it interesting. I don't think the home ice advantage is as great as it has been in the past without fans. What? For the Are you talking about for general? The in general. In general. Yeah. I'd say the Islanders have kept the same exact, like, they haven't missed or skipped a beat. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, saying, I'm just saying in general. Gotcha, grumpy old man. And we're moving right along there. Tom White says, Wallstrom should be able to play the left side. He's a skilled forward and should be able to adjust easily. Might take a few weeks, but no time, no better time to start. Well, they're not going to do it this year. I'm going to tell you that much right now. There's no way that they're going to put him somewhere else and expect him to produce now. They got too many veterans on this team now. Gotcha, grumpy old man. And then David D also says there, you can't play Michael Ducole and Leo in the same game. They provide no offense, only defense. And you can add Travis Zajac to that mix too. Well, you had all three of them playing last night, and we scored goals. Um, but still, it's like that whole that whole left side is like a Bermuda Triangle out there. It's where pucks go to die. Oh, Jesus Christ! This beer. <sighs> I'll tell you, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they roll out there. Um, but we need to win some games, Grump. We do. I mean, like, we, we need to go ahead and establish their continuity against the Capitals. You know, it's easy. Hey, we, we smashed the, the Rangers, and I think effectively ending their season. But 
feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like I'm a broken record. These next three games against the Washington Capitals are going to be big and important. Hey, right. We, we talked about it last time. The next six games, we're going to make and break your season from making the playoffs by taking care of the Rangers, take care of business against the Rangers, to potentially getting a first spot, first place spot by uh, handling the Capitals. Step one, I feel, is now complete. Rangers are 10 games back with 10 to play. I don't see them catching us. Um, but now we have to take care of business against Washington. These next three games are going to be kid. Washington, uh, they're a tough team for us, and they can really score off the rush. I mean, we're going to have to really have our defensive game, have to have them buttoned down defensively because if we let them do what they are capable of doing and put them on the power play, it's not. I don't. I don't think that's a recipe for success for us. Gotcha. Uh, Michael M says, Michael DeCole is brilliant sometimes. Why the crap can't he shoot? That's what his mother told me. He can't score. That's what his mother told you, really? Didn't even have any dates in high school or college or anything. Yeah, high school or when he was playing in juniors. Never had a date. Couldn't score. Scott Levy also says, Michael DeCole is better when he's not on the ice. He calls him Del Crapolo. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Tom Kunakel from a number of years ago. Yeah. Well, hold on. Hold on. Don't disgrace Tom Kuhnockle's name like that. Tom Kuhnockle, when he used to play for the Penguins, could put up points. Yeah, I mean, like the last couple of years when he played with the Islanders. And I liked Tom Kuhnockle because I liked him when he was with Pittsburgh. I thought he was a, you know, but he was what he was. is you know, a bottom six player who you could put in and get some energy from, from a game or two. Um, but when he's not playing with a big name, which he wouldn't be here, um, he wasn't as effective. And I think that's the same type of player you have in uh, Michael Del Cole. No, I take my statement back. Tom Cool Knuckle did not put up many points. Again, probably more respectively speaking than Michael Del Cole would over time period. But yeah. Uh, but guys like that serve a purpose. And particularly on a team like Pittsburgh was years ago with, you know, when they Crosby and Malcolm and they were winning cups, he was part of those cup teams. Why? Because he did all the dirty work. And you do need players who will do that. You can't have a whole team of them like we have, but you need players like that, and that's the type of player that he is. His unfortunate instance is that that's our whole team is a bunch of players like that, so he gets lost in the shuffle. And Joe Fitzpatrick here says, yeah, Grumpy rocking the Clash T-shirt. I was lucky to have seen them at Bonds in New York City in 1981. Yeah, I saw them in 82 when they came. Uh, they played Chase for a couple of gigs with the who and uh, David Johansson. I think he was going by the name Buster Poindexter at this point in time. Uh, but it was, it was really a good show. Really a good show. Tom, well, speaking about there, Oliver Walsh, he says, I would start him young rather than waiting. He may struggle at times, uh, but in the long run, he'll be okay. If he plays that left wing position. That's see, that's my whole thing. You, you play the young guys early. They're the future of your team. The sooner you get them acclimated to the NHL, the better off you're going to be in the long run. You're not going to have, by the time these guys are good, you have to pay them where you're not getting any value for your draft picks early. Like where you're playing on entry level deals those guys are never playing for the Islanders, right? So, I mean, Dobson a little bit and Wallstrom a little bit, but those guys should be out there every night. They're the future. Play them. I don't disagree, Grump. I don't. I mean, it feels like sometimes the same song and dance because it is to a certain extent. I mean, like that. 
The Islanders do need to integrate the young guys. I don't think Oliver Wallstrom is the last time we see him in the lineup here. I'll, I just don't think you can break up that third line. Well, if they roll the same third line they had last night, it's not a problem. That's what I'm saying. You got to roll the same exact third line you have. He won't. He will not change lines tomorrow night. He's going to go with that same lineup. I, his thing, I would be stunned. It's just not what he's done in the past. When he finds it, when he puts those geezers in the lineup and they win a game or two, they he does not change the lines. Young guy makes one mistake or Kiefer Bellows doesn't score in a game, benched. I don't care that you just scored three goals. We've scored 11 goals in eight games. You scored three and two. Not good enough for you to get back in the lineup, brother. David D says, hang Josh Bailey up in the rafters. Okay, I think that's a little bit unfair. I don't think that we should hang Josh Bailey. He's not a great player, but I still don't uh, believe that we should hang him. Oh. So I disagree with hanging him. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Michael O'Donnell, I asked you this earlier. I want an answer. What team do you prefer the Islanders play in the first round? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. I don't want to play Boston. I wanted to play Boston a few weeks ago, but not now. God almighty. It's like hot and cold. Oh, grump. Hey, I'll tell you what. Look at it this way. Whoever we get is going to be a tough matchup for us. Flip-floppy. They're going to be tough. I mean, I would love to see a Washington-Boston series. They were really brawling a couple of weeks ago or last week. Man, they were – Wilson was out there cheap-shotting, and, man, they were fighting. Old-time hockey. Got to love it. Ah. <sighs> So Pittsburgh, they just gave up six goals in the third period to New Jersey. I'll take Pittsburgh. So next week when we're on, are you going to be saying here the Washington Capitals? Probably not, unless we beat the Capitals. Maybe the yeah, we went we went three games against the Washington Capitals. You say I want to play the Washington Capitals the first round. Is that what we're going to hear? Is that and they get a bunch of injuries? Yeah, I mean that that's the case. I mean injuries still going to play a part. Oh Jesus, there. Frank K there says Shesterkin starting last night made no sense. Georgiev owns the Islanders that he does. That's when you. That's what happens when you're in first year algebra. You don't. You don't. You. You really don't understand the mathematics of the situation. Georgiev owns the Islanders. You play Shesterkin, and I didn't think Shesterkin looked good. The second goal to Bailey, he should have stopped. He really should have stopped that. Right to his arm. It went right. I think he was just surprised that Josh Bailey shot the puck. Honestly. Well, no, hold on a second. The second goal, you're talking about when he was sitting uh, unimpeded there, right in the crease, when Josh Bailey was in the crease there and the defenseman there for the Rangers didn't do a good enough job there boxing Bailey out. That's a goal yeah. you were talking about? That was the first goal. No, the second goal where he took the snap. Okay, I, I thought you said second goal. The second goal scored at the game. So you're talking about the first, the second Josh Bailey goal, Grump. Yes. Yeah, I think he was just surprised that Josh Bailey actually took a shot. Maybe that's what it was. But he should have stopped that. That should have been stopped. Oh. Gracious, I'll tell you. Alexander also chiming in there saying, hey, guys, how is everything? You know my uncle keeps coming at me uh, about Barzal and keeps saying he's not scoring. Then I asked him, you know, who are the stars he plays with? Eberly, Bailey, Paul Mary, Zajac. I just couldn't stop laughing. At least he didn't put Lollipop in there, so I'll give his uncle credit for that. That's oh. about it, though. <sighs> Man, oh man, I'll tell you. It, you might as well put Mike the Grill, uh, Mike the, the Greek Melanatis, and uh, Joe Matadots in there too. They're stars. Joe Matadots. I'll tell you. You gotta feel like Barzal to a certain extent, though. Has he's he 
can't be happy with what gets thrown out there on his wing, on his left wing. I mean, like he's obviously he's not. I mean, Anders Lee was Anders Lee. I know you're not a big fan of him, Grump. I like Anders. Thought the contract was hideous, but I like Anders, and I'm happy to see he had a bounce back season this year. But man, oh man, you have to feel like people who might be a little dejected is like, oh, Matt Barzell's like, holy shit, we're playing. Two, we're playing. I'm just playing with Josh. I'm just playing with Jordan Everly out here right now. That's what it is. I've said it for weeks. No one wanted to believe me. Grumpy old man overreacting. No, no. I just see things quicker than a lot of people do. That's all. Especially, you know, you know the the rah-rah sis boom club who don't think the Islanders can do any wrong. I mean, it is what it is. You can't – there's there's Bailey – I mean, Susie, there's Barzal, there's Eberle in the offensive zone. Where's Zajac just crossing center ice? Where's Komarov? Oh, he's backing up the two defensemen. I mean – what do you expect? Everything. I mean, Zajac's goal was just because he was standing in the right spot because he did nothing but just tap that goal in. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Brian P. there says everybody is crushing the Rangers and they're a plus 29 goal differential. The Islanders are plus 24. By next year or two years, they're going to blow by us. I think the Rangers have a brighter future than we do. I do think because their core is all young. Their core is young. Ours is old. I think it gives you a reason to be excited as a Ranger fan. I will say this, though. You have to have the right man in charge. And this is the thing. I really do think if if you're not able, because I think this is a team, the Rangers are going to be unbelievable. If Depending on who they're able to keep, depending on development of players, just the potential that team has. Yikes. I mean, it's going to bode for poor things for Islander fans there for years to come. I just think the Rangers are really going to have a strong core. And I look at it like this. If College Quinn's not able to get that done next season, he's got to go. He's not the man there for the job. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, just based off of the talent they're going to have and the growth of those players, if College Quinn can't get the job done next season, can't make the playoffs, can't make a push, no reason to have him there. Yeah, I agree. Um I mean, just look at what Joel Quinn does. You disagree with me earlier in the podcast. That's why I was bringing it up. No, I I mean, I can see you said that they don't improve a whole lot. I've seen improvement from them this year. I'm just saying if you don't make the playoffs next year, that he's got to go. Well, we don't even know what the divisions are going to look like next year. I mean, so we can't you can't say anything. And things can change. I don't know what their cap situation is. Remember, you got the flat cap and having younger players on manageable contracts, enables you to do things. When you have a bunch of older players uh, on long-term deals making a lot of money, you're limited with what you can do. I, I mean, to me, the Rangers could probably make some moves if they want to. Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking, look, about, look what a good coach did for Florida. They always had all the talent in the world, but they didn't have the right coach. Quinville goes in there, and they're lights out now. I mean, you know, kudos to him. He's a great coach, too. D cut. They're saying Butch waited 30 seconds into last night's game to tell us how smart Bailey is. Lou gave him his marching orders and he followed them to a T. Hey, that's, that's, that's what they, that's what they're there for. It's like, uh, I, what, what the, well, I'll forget. I don't remember the name. I was going to say something inappropriate, but I won't. Well, I'm glad you didn't grumpy old. It's man. like the, uh, the propaganda machine. Oh, David P says, why are the Islanders so dominant at home if mediocre on the road? 
uh, better get home ice for the playoffs. And honestly, you would think we'd be better on the road because when you go on the road, you try to sit – well, most teams, you try to simplify your game, you know, play more defensive. I don't know how it's even possible for us to play more defensive than we do at home or as a, as a team, period. Uh, but that's what you usually try to do. The whole thing is when we get down a goal or two, we struggle coming back, particularly with no left wings on the team. David D there says, if we are in win now mode, why not get a goal scoring forward? One that's between age 27 and 28. Let's be realistic. In 2023, after 2023, 2024, this team will be back to finishing towards the bottom of the league. He's right. He's right. That's what that was what I said, right? If you want to go out and get somebody at the trade deadline, you get somebody younger who has term. If you want to give a first round draft pick, that's what you do. You don't trade first round draft picks for guys who are in their 30s, 30 year old. You just don't do it. It's a mistake, particularly since we have nothing in the minors. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Brian P says, screw him, Grump. Now, this was this was there was comments saying the grumpy old man's illiterate on his hockey. Uh Trotz is uh good, not great. He's a terrific direct defensive mind, but him and Lou don't care uh if there's a net on the other side of the ice. He, he's the third best in our division. Uh Sullivan and Laviolette are better coaches. Uh you can't leave out Cassidy. Cassidy's really good too. Cassidy's a really good coach. I think he's better than Sullivan. Uh, well, I don't even know about that. Remember, Sullivan had his number most of the years when Pittsburgh played Washington. Um, Laviolette is an X factor. I mean, I thought he was way better than Reardon. Laviolette has really helped Washington. Uh, but here's the thing. I think all those coaches are really, really good. So It's funny to think about it, too. Are you but you. Butch Cassidy is young too. He's not Butch Cassidy. Bruce, I'm sorry. Bruce Cassidy is young. And maybe the Sundance kid should be in there too. What? Why the hell is Butch Cassidy? Why is that ringing? Why is it like ringing up like a conscious bell for me? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid was a movie starring (laughs) Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. That's why. Oh, there we go. There we go. I just uh, completely glazed over it. Anyway, uh, Scott L. there says, um, if and when Lane Lambert takes over for Barry, do you think he will play the kids, or do you think he stays with the vets like Barry? I don't think that Barry's retiring anytime soon. And if he gets fired from here, the next job he goes, he's going to take Lane Lambert with him. They're two different, totally different type of coaches, though, with different approaches. That's for certain. I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Lambert tries to leave either preemptively. I mean, he 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 interviewed there for the Anaheim Ducks job. Yeah, I I mean, uh, he's a different type of coach. I, he's a he's a he's a fire he's a fire spitter. I loved him. I loved him on the bench. Like when you yeah. see, if you go and watch the games in person, watch Lane Lambert on the bench. I, that's the type of coach that has energy, that has emotion. Those are the type of coaches. It might not come out all that often. Players, as a player, uh, players absolutely love coaches like that. For certain, they do. Um, I'm going to say one thing before you continue on that. Older teams and older players tend not to respond to that as opposed to young. I think that's more of a young guy's game where you can get guys fired up. Once you've been in the league – like, you know, the Islander guys, most of them 15, 20, 35 years, 
Leo Komarov and guys like that ilk, you know, they kind of see through that stuff. But when you're younger, it definitely works. Ross N there says, get into the playoffs and who knows what can happen. Look at last year. Yeah, we got rolled by Tampa Bay. And oh, stuff. stop, man. We were right there. We were right there, Grump. I'm not saying we would have won a Stanley Cup or anything like that. We're pretty damn close. And I'll tell you this much. You never know what could happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You never know. That's true, but I wouldn't isn't I wouldn't Ross, I wouldn't bet your house on it. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh I'm not betting my house on anybody. I wouldn't even bet <laughs> Ross's house on it. Oh, okay. You wouldn't even bet Ross's house on it. Well, I'm glad, grumpy old man. Uh Frank K there says Quinville is the best in the league. I think he's right. Grump, this is a very, very important question. A very important comment that I need you to answer and respond to. Barry Madden chimes in there saying, Why? Why we aren't good enough. The chairman of the wet diaper club has spoken. Grump, if you were the chairman of the wet diaper club, what type of diapers do you wear? I guess at my age, I probably have to start wearing Depends. So, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't fit in baby diapers anymore. So I guess if I was wearing diapers, uh, that would be it. Depends at this stage. Yeah. The chairman of the wet diaper club has spoken. I will just say one thing to Barry. We aren't good enough. Deal with it. I mean, that's all I can say. Well, you can tell him to deal with it, Grump. He might have an adverse reaction. He might cry. I don't know. What are you gonna, it might shock their worldview. I mean, I'm not crying about it. I'm, at least I'm willing to acknowledge it. But so many fans are not willing to acknowledge it. That's that's when you live in the – you know, have you ever heard the term ignorance is bliss? You live in that ignorance. And you're like, ah, we're good enough to do it. I, I do understand it. you got to have the healthy line of skepticism that allows you to question like – are we really, though? What's the thought process behind it? Uh, anyway, moving right along, Brian B. said, like I said the other night, takes times. Yeah, LOL. We only have these rentals for 20 games. They have to be able to gel immediately. That's what I said. First round pick for 20, 15. I think it was 15 games when he was traded. And then I guess Brian is saying we're only going to get beaten five in the playoffs. So um, that's what he means by 20, I guess. <laughs> Now, Islander fans, I have a question for them. If we get beat in the first round, is this season a success or a failure? It's a failure, an absolute failure. If we lose in the first round of the playoffs, this season was a big F. Because, again, even though we lost Andrews Lee, you made moves and you thought that this is the thing. General manager and head coach still believed that we had the ability to make us push there for a Stanley Cup playoffs, for a Stanley Cup finals, and to win a Stanley Cup. When you go ahead and trade away another first round pick and a fourth round pick, as we've done here the last few years in a row, you still believe that you have a chance there to win. And if you lose in the first round, albeit I have no idea what the matchup looks like, we can't accurately say, hey, Islanders are going to win the first round of the playoffs. We have no freaking idea who they're going to play. So we're not going to make some stupid comment like that. That being said, if you don't win the first round of the playoffs, yikes, this year's been a failure. You've you've got your teams become older and you've given up another first round pick there for another failed attempt. And so yeah, I mean, like you could say that about a lot of teams. Any team that that gives off, you know, pieces of draft capital there and gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs, yikes, it doesn't look good. It looks like the general manager is somewhat delusional. They've overvalued the team's worth. Well, and you know, we've given up our last three draft picks. Uh, we traded this year's to the Devils, last year's to Ottawa, and the year before we picked Casper when there was talent like Tomasino 
and Callie uh, and McMichael out there. So it's like, oh, there we go. Ding, 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 ding. If you've got your bingo boards at home, now is time to mark that off. I didn't know if I'd get it in today, but then you brought up, you know, giving away draft picks, and that was certainly a giveaway. It was a layup there for you. It was easy. And speaking of that, David D there says, if we don't get past the second round this year, the playoffs, we have to unload some contracts, even if it means retaining some money. I say even if we win two rounds of the playoffs, we need to get rid of contracts. I think that's uh, that is what the expansion draft is going to allow you to do. If you manage it correctly, you're going to be able to offload, hopefully, a bad contract in some capacity. But then you think to yourself, I've got to give up a prospect or I have to give up more draft capital to unload that bad contract. So here we go again. We're just continuing to dig a hole, dig a hole, dig a hole, mortgaging off the future here for the present. So again, like you say, the fall from grace is a hard and swift one. Holy shit. Will the fall from grace be a hard and swift one if we continue to go all in 100% commitment? It's not like we're that close. It's not like we're Tampa last year where we just couldn't get over the hump. We're not that close. I mean, I hate to say it, but we're not. And you look at some of the other teams in this league, it's like, man, they're getting better and they're getting younger. We're getting older and worse. Those are just facts, people. Sorry. Brian P. said, I wanted the rebuild too, but Lou and Barry would never have rebuilt. We know they both hate young players. I don't think they can get away with doing a full rebuild now because they've gone all in for this particularly at, at Lou's age. You could have done it when you first came in. You could have done it when you first came in. The fan base would have bought into it because of the cachet. Once again, I said that Lou has as a GM around the league. Yes, you could have. We could have signed Mitch Marner to an offer sheet. We could have done a lot of different things, but instead we didn't. We did nothing but re-sign our old guys or our or existing team players to long-term deals. God almighty. It's like the same, it's like the same song and dance sometimes with you, Grumpy Old Man. But that they could have they could have done it then. They could have done it. Now I don't think they can. And that's why we're gonna wind up hitting rock bottom. Yeah, almighty. Eventually. Eventually. Not this year, not next year, but it's coming. Tom White says, Hey Grump, Michael Tocole is a ham and egger. That's his role, and he was good last night. And also Tommy B saying the same as I think Michael Del Cole had a really good game last night, Grump. He is what he is. He, he played, all right, it's against the Rangers. Let's see, can he keep that up against Washington? That's what I want to see. Yeah, against, some of the, against teams that aren't very good defensively, you can have good games. And here's the thing. I think the whole team was excellent last night. They all came out and had something to prove. Let's see if they carry it over to Washington. High tides raise all ships, as they say. So it's definitely something to take interest in and to watch. I don't think you're going to see any lineup changes tomorrow. None at all. Um, and they're going to use the, hey, we won last game. No need to change anything up. But I just don't think you mess up that third line. I'll be interested to see what goes on there. Cliff Neal there says, a good fan is one who supports a team and cares about them, but holds them accountable uh, for those who are supposed to be the caretakers of the franchise when they're not being lived up to the expected standards or when they may be abusing that cherished institution there or their fans, we thankfully and finally have gotten past the last reference after decades of torture. 100% agree. It sounds like you're the executor on an estate or something there, Cliff. I think I called him Chris. I'm sorry. I meant to say Cliff Neal. Uh, Cliff, it sounds like you're an executor on the estate 
or something of that nature. He's really sharp in his picture. He makes a salient point. Uh, I agree with Cliff 100%. We love the Islanders, but that doesn't mean that everything that they're infallible because they're not. Phil Fax said uh, we put up eight of them at, uh, two weeks ago. I think he's talking about goals there uh, again. Like so, talk about the ebbs and flows of goal scoring, grumpy old man. Yeah, I don't. Who, who do we score eight on? No, no, no. He's just talking about like two weeks ago. We put up eight so for that week. I don't know, Grump. I, it's it's it was a comment made a while ago, so you're gonna have to forgive oh. me there. Um, Frank K there says Islanders outgrinded the Capitals the last two games, and yeah. the results weren't always there. I mean, we, we we won. I'm trying to think here. We won most recently that we lost. We were one on one against the Capitals there in the last two. I'm thinking we matched up them on. If we don't play a perfect, that's the difference. That's that's why it's such a struggle for us, and why it's hard to win a cup. When you don't, if the Islanders don't play their A game, they're not winning because we don't have enough offensive talent, with the exception of Barzal, uh, to win a game all on their own. We just don't. Where other teams can play an average game and still, the Capitals, for instance, right? You got Ovechkin who can have brilliance. You have Oshie. You have Backstrom. You have uh, Kuznetsov. Uh, you have Carlson. These guys can do individual brilliance that can. Uh, win a game when they should lose. It's always a struggle for us. We have to play perfect, particularly against a team like Washington. Speaking of it, the last two games we played against Washington, just bringing that up here, we did actually win. I don't know why I thought we lost one of those games. Uh, eight to four on April the first, and then one nothing against the Capitals on April the sixth. So, yeah, I have no idea. We were jam packing all these games. We have five games against the Capitals in the month of April. Five. Yeah. They beat us, I think, the first three, something like that. Mm. Goodness gracious. I'll tell you that much. And Tommy B says, we need a face-off guy with Barzal on that left wing. Yeah, he's not great on the face-offs. But you know what? They were playing him at wing for a while. And I'm like, why? If you want somebody to take a face-off, let him take a face-off, but let Barzal play the center position. I'll tell you, it's it's one of those oppositions where you know even if you're losing a faceoff, it's like, hey, would I rather have a have a chance of losing consistently the faceoff, but have better better transition? I mean, like where we have better play possibly there, more offensive chances, or would I rather have like, hey, we can gain puck control off the faceoff dot, and then it's like, hey, we need to go ahead and immediately <laughs> replace Travis Ajak, whoever's playing the left wing. You can help Barzal win a face-off occasionally. Well, it seems like the only guy who's always with Barzal is Everly. Maybe they should work on him taking face-offs. Everly's not a face-off guy. Come on now. There's, you're not going to be teaching old dogs new tricks like that. Well, we think we can turn uh, – Zajac can turn back the clock to be a first-liner, or Lollipop can play the first line. I guess those old dogs think that uh, they can learn new tricks. Komarov's never been a first-line player, ever. Cliff also says there, the Rangers are the dark overlords of merciless malevolence. Uh, Not even the rightful original six NHL New York franchise. Remember, the New York Americans. Yeah, but Cliff, when you and I die, people aren't going to remember that anymore. They're going to think the Rangers are the original six. I was about to say, I didn't know that till right now. I just always like, hey, the Rangers are part of the original six. Um, like the vocabulary there, Cliff, moving right along there. Uh, David C. there says, 
if Lou knew how to draft, we would have got one of the three amigos to look forward to seeing not the ghost Casper. That's right. CD cut. I'm glad you brought it up. See, he brought it up just to make sure that I would bring it. I would talk about it today, but I beat him the punch. Brett James there says, I like Letty, not an A plus, more like a B plus. Right. Yeah, I, say, I always wonder when people go ahead and give these huge ratings to the players that are on their team, it either means one or two things. They go ahead and value A pluses like they give them out like candy, like you're in grade school, like, hey, you filled out that correctly, you put your name on a paper, A plus, or they value the players on your team too high. I mean, I, I much more strict and stringent with uh, the grades and values we give out there. Again, that's why I think a lot of people, grumpy old man, you get, uh, you get, uh, I'm trying to say this nicely to you, grump. You go ahead and rag on a lot of players. You do, despite, you know, the sum being extremely uh, successful here for the Islanders. And it's because you look at other players and you're like, hey, you want everybody to be like, why, why is our first line not consist of a Kuznetsov, a Stamkos, things like that, a Braden Point? That's where I think everything comes from for you, grump. You know, like in football, I'm really, really like I'm really, really tough on quarterbacks, guys who are really good quarterbacks. And it's the same thing in hockey. It just, uh, you know, it to get an A plus, man, you have to be something special. And Nick Letty is not something special. Ross in there says, so who are the notable exposures in the expansion draft this summer? Who knows yet? I would hope they would. I would hope they would expose everyone who's making. $5 million or more. None of the young guys. I would not expose any of the young players. And I'll tell you what, I'm back to leaning on not exposing Scott Mayfield again because his contract is so cheap that if I was the Kreken, that would be the guy that I would pick up. If, if they expose Scott Mayfield, he'd be the guy I'd pick up. We've got a comment here from our boy, Jerry Springer. He says, number one, he wants to compliment you there on the Clash shirt. He really likes punk. That's his favorite punk group. He also says, why do players like Barry Trotz and other people who analyze hockey say things like, this player might not be the sexiest player? Why do they use the word sexy to describe hockey? Like, WTF, this is not Hooters. Well, they they use sexy, sexy in the context of exciting to watch. <laughs> you know, exciting. So, yeah. And you know what else, why they say that? Because those players usually suck. So that's why they say it. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you went up to and you say, hey, I want to pay my money and I want to watch Matt Barzell play, or hey, I want to pay my money and I want to watch Lollipop play, how many people do you think are going to say, I want to see Matt Barzell play? Does Matt Barzell put butts in the seats or does Leo Komarov? For certain. For certain, Matt Barzal. Again, like you know, it's the same exact thing. Like, hey, offense in all sports makes people go, "Wow, that's fun to watch." It's hard. People, it's you have to appreciate the game a lot more to appreciate the defensive aspect. I'm going to tell you on the Islanders, there's maybe three players that I would pay money to see. Three really? on the whole team. Really? Mm-hmm. Three, maybe know. three, and one because I have a bias towards it. Hmm. Can you guess? The three players that you'd like to see here on this team? That, uh, no, three guys that I would pay money to see. I want to just watch those guys play. There's three. On our team? Yes. Matt three. Barzell. Matt Barzell, yes. I'm going to say Oliver Wallstrom. No. Jean-Gabriel Pajot. No. 
Shit, maybe I don't know you. Maybe I don't Noah know Dobson, you. Noah Dobson, because I love the way he plays defense. Okay. And Ilya Sorokin. Those are the three guys. And I have a bias towards Dobson. Fair enough. Fair enough, grumpy old man. Um, Time B also says multiple aspects of pl- effect playing on the road. The ice, the boards, uh, the last change rule, and, of course, familiarity. Uh, for certain, I'll tell you. It's odd though, especially when playoffs come around. I mean, like all those players, the adrenaline—you can't, you can't deny the adrenaline that's just absolutely pumping when you've got a, a a stadium, an arena full of people just cheering you on. I know that hasn't been the case here for as of recent, but uh, you know that definitely does change atmospheres too. And yeah, I mean, these—you know—we'll see, we'll see. I, I, it's interesting. I think you know, in players, it's funny. I heard something uh, last week. Um, who was the guy who used to play for us? I got his name wrong all the time. Wagner, Chris Wagner. Chris Wagner. You always called him something else. Now that he's gone, of course you remember his name. And they, someone he, asked, plays, he plays for the the Bruins. He plays for the Bruins, and someone asked him a question: Do you like uh, playing the same teams all the time? And he said, No, none of the players do. Really? Yep. Because they, you know, everyone knows what the other team is going to do. You know, so there's really no surprise to the games. Uh, you can't spring something new on them. They've seen everything. And he's right. I mean, you know, he's right. But I enjoy it. Nick D there from YouTube says, TJ Grump, how are you guys? It's Nick from Vancouver. It's going to be the best of three against the Capitals. What's your scheduled podcast? Uh, we are going to be, since we play on Saturday, it's on Saturday, the Islanders play uh, the Capitals. Uh, yeah, Saturday at 6. So we're going to go live Saturday after the Capitals game, after the Islanders Capitals game, Grump, I know you've got an ear to ear smile. Tell me more. I do because it's not a Sunday night. I'd much rather do a Saturday night. Yes. It's like hockey night in Canada with TJ and the grumpy old man. Yes, yeah, okay. so we've, we've got that. And also, next Wednesday, we're not going to have a podcast. It's going to be next Tuesday post game. We're going to a Tuesday post-game podcast. Have a special guest that's going to be on there, the podcast. I know Grumpy and myself are looking forward to it. Um, getting back there to comments, so uh, Brian P. there uh, says, uh, TJ Kunako played on the fourth line and he never produced. Yeah, as soon as I said that, I'm like, I don't know why I thought he produced. And I looked that up. I'm like, yeah, Kunako didn't produce for us or for Pittsburgh. But here's the difference. Michael Del Cole plays the second line and does never produce. So there you go. <laughs> Scott L also says a grumpy breakout Aerosmith old song and dance. That, that, that was last week. I think I sang the same old song and dance last. Didn't I sing the same old song and dance last week? No, that's what he's saying. You need to break it out, Grump. I thought I did that last week. Oh. Same hey. old song and dance. Oh, oh, yeah, you did break that out. Now my yeah, ear. I thought I did. Yeah, it's yeah. not one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. It really isn't. Brian P said, wow, TJ, this is the fourth third line combination you're falling in love with this year. He's right. I didn't want to bring it up. You know, I let TJ, you know, I got to cut him a little bit of slack. He falls in love. You know, he was in love with John Tavares. Oh, Oh, stop. And, you know, I don't blame him. So. Oh, stop. Uh, Yeah, this is, that's a good point there, Brian B. This is, I guess, the fourth time I've fallen in love there with a different line combination there on the third line. I don't know. Anytime the third line does something spectacular and has one of these outbursts, I'm just like, holy shit, if we could have this consistently from our third line, we would be dangerous. 
Yeah. But that brings up a good point by Brian B saying here, most teams talk about their top line. All clatter surrounding the Islanders is on the third line. Hmm, something's not right here. The only time we ever talk about the first line is if Matt Barzell takes a penalty and then he's beaten from pillar to post because he took a penalty. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And Brett James also says, the biggest concern is that too many players go uh, in long slumps. And it's all and it's all at the same time. Yeah, my concern is the biggest the biggest problem is we don't have a whole lot of talent. So if guys aren't it's it's not like anyone's underachieves on this team. I think Pajot is overachieved this year. I think uh Anders Lee when he was healthy was healthy was overachieving this year. Brock Nelson I think is overachieved a little bit this year. Um you know, they are what they are. And it's just, funny to think like Brock Nelson's made a complete U-turn. As to compare to what we saw at the beginning of the season, man, oh man, were they? Yeah, yeah, he's been much better at the beginning. It, but uh, but that was because Bavillier wasn't playing well. Bavillier drives that line. And Tom White there says, as Bruce was saying, Bailey's a point producer. Whether it's a primary or secondary assist, he's involved with the production of the goal. He's streaky, but at least he's productive. I don't think he's streaky. If you score, the only time you scored two goals in a game is two years ago. That's not streaky. If that's a streak, uh, uh, yeah, it's a streak of ineptitude. It's yeah, not a streak of success. I, I just like I said, he's a third. He's a good third line player. That's where he should be. Here's if he played if he played with energy and passion like he did last night. No problems with Josh Bailey. It's amazing when he plays with a little bit of intestinal fortitude and a little bit of aggression. He puts up three points. Maybe Josh, you should look in the mirror and say, you know what? That worked last night. Night. Let's see if I can continue that. I hope he does. I hope he does. I want to see that tomorrow from him. I don't want to see the shrinking violet that we usually see. Scott L said, Bolduck had two goals for Bridgeport in her last game. I'll tell you the craziest thing about it is Samuel Bolduck is producing hand over fist down there in Bridgeport for a team that can do I mean, they can't buy win. They've been terrible this season. We all knew it was going to happen. But a team that's not scored a lot of goals and point producing, Samuel Bolduck is leading the damn helm. I think he leads Bridgeport in scoring this year. And another thing, uh, with this type of performance and the way he's performing and progressing, he should be ready to play for the Islanders in about four or five years. Ah, there it is. Yeah, look at this. Our defenseman, Samuel Bolduck, 19 games for Bridgeport, six goals, six assists. What about Casper? What are his points? Does he still have five points? Okay, here's my question, Grump. Do you really want to know what Casper's production is? Because I just feel like it's just going to launch you into a little bit of a tizzy, and you're going to get upset about it. I'm interested. I'm interested. What are the Grumpfield, man. Uh, Simon Holmstrom, 19 games played, three goals, two assists, minus 13. He sucks. He sucks. Here we go. Here we go. All the goals in the first – all his points in the first week. That He's was. terrible. All right. He's getting outscored by a defenseman, by a freaking defenseman. He's a first-line winger. He's the Josh Bailey 2.0. That's what Casper is. I can't wait. You watch him try to spoon-feed him. He'll, he'll play. You won't see him get benched because he's loose-born. You, you want to know the craziest thing is Bulldog, and again, plus minuses and everything, and this is a statement. I don't watch a lot of Bridgeport Sound Tigers hockey. Straight up, I'm going to let you guys know that. But plus minus Samuel Bulldog, plus three. Guess what Simon Holmstrom's plus minus is? Minus 12, minus 13, right? 
Yeah, minus 13. Yeah, so again, like, difference there. Sammy Bolduck has been producing, and I'll just... it's It'll be interesting to see when he's ready to make that step. I don't think it's going to be next year. The only reason being is just because they didn't really get a lot of games to play here in Bridgeport this season. I think that even if he comes out there and he has a killer last few games there for the Sound Tigers, because I think they have five games left remaining in the season. Played 19, they have 24 this year. Um, I think he's got to start off in Bridgeport. He's got to go ahead and make sure he gets some more time, more action. I wouldn't be upset with him playing in Bridgeport either to start the season. You're talking about Bullduck? Yes. Yeah, there's no way he's moving up next year. Regardless, I don't care how well he plays. He's not coming up next year. But my thing is with Casper, I remember last year when he didn't produce. Oh, well, he's like the youngest, one of the youngest guys playing in the AHL. There's the, the media cartel doing their spin on his pathetic play. What's the excuse this year? He plays on the first line. He hasn't scored in, I can't even tell you how many games. And he's got five points through 19 games. What's the excuse for why he sucks this year? Can you give me another excuse? You can't give me the age thing. He's a first-line player, and he doesn't produce. What is he? You know what he is? They call him bust. That's what he is. And then you look at my boy Tomasino, my boy Kaliev, my boy McMichael. They're all producing. And who's not? Casper. That's who. Oh, goodness gracious. Caps chirps. Caps chirp there says, please take out the Penguins in the first round. Oh, goodness gracious. And you asked a question. You said, what would you rate the season if the Islanders get bounced in the first round of the playoffs? Well, we've got some responses for you. Scott Levy says failure. D-cut, failure. Ross N there says failure. Um, David D says totally a failure. Tommy B says lose in the open round. It is a disappointment. Win around, uh, you can accept this season in such a tough division. So again, yep. unanimously, yeah, pretty much there. Failure. Oh, yep. Also there, Matthew S says it would be a failure. The question was failure success. Tommy Baffy looks like he wants to ride the fence. He wants to play the TJ ride the fence role for this. Uh, if you don't win around in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's a failure, and it's an even bigger failure. When your team is older and is all in, it's a really big failure. So, yep, grumpy. You know, we aren't that close, but we have a shot and we won't have a shot for the next five years. But he's not that far off, with the reason being over a full 82 game season. Think about the injury. We've had a few injuries this year, but really only one season ender for uh, average. But other than that, you know, guys have been in and out, but we just don't produce. It's we've we've known this for years, and the whole thing is, if you play an eighty-two game season, what's going to happen? The older guys are going to get injured more. You get injured more when you get older, just not as resilient. So, last year I thought it was a great chance because we came right off of the hiatus, and we were hot as a firecracker. This year, let's see. It's only fifty-six game season. Let's see when we play 82. What's that going to be like? Well, when you talk about your guys like Connor McMichael, Kaliev, and Philip Thomas, you know, we'll just give you guys an update for those who would listen from home and listen to the live stream again, in case you haven't been keeping track there of the production of those players there on other minor league farm or uh, other minor league systems. Uh, Connor McMichael, 22 games played, grumpy old man, eight goals, five assists, 13 points. Uh, Philip Thomasino selected 
right after the Islanders pick. That's a guy I wanted. Do you remember? He, oh, oh, Grump, I would have been fine with Tomasino, McMichael, or Kaliev. As, as we've said multiple times before, Philip Tomasino, 18 games played, 7 goals, 13 assists, 20 points in 18 games. More than a point a game clip. Pretty impressive. Like Matt Barzell. No way they're picking him. Arthur Kaliev Arthur Cali there. 30 games played, 8 goals, 11 assists, 19 points. Um, here's the thing. It's going to be interesting to see those guys because I think they will be point producers long-term. They've been impressive. And again, I will say, let's also cut Simon Holmstrom a little bit of slack. I'm saying a little bit, Grump, a little bit don't implode. I don't want to see your uh, laptop or your, your, uh, your video feed go completely blank because you've blown your computer in half. Um, you know, this, the Preachport Sound Tigers really don't have a lot around them. And you, you got to feel for those guys down there. You got to feel a little bit there. Um, you got to feel a little bit for Holmstrom. You got to feel a little bit there also. Um, man, I mean, I'm blanking on his name. It looks like Samuel Bolduck knows what he's doing. All I'm going to say is this. You could triple Casper's production, and he's still not as good as any one of those guys. Triple it. Triple it, and he's still not as good. Triple it. Not as good. Koivula. That's the name I was looking for. You got to feel a little bit, though, for, for Holmstrom and Koivula. I mean, like the, the, the Bridgeport roster just isn't stout. Do you and, let Casey go at the end, let him walk at the end of the season and let Koivula play that role? Or do you try to re sign him or Zajac? Tommy said it too. Or maybe you go ahead and try to do Zajac for a year. Why? Why? Unless, unless he, it's vet minimum. I mean, uh, but why? How many old guys do we need on this team? I Play the young guys. Simon's not ready. Holmstrom's not ready to come up. He's not ready to come up. He, I mean, the way he plays, he's what, 15, 16 years away? I don't know. Goodness gracious there. Brian P. also says, completely agree. Grump, Tampa absolutely dominated us. Uh, the overtime game, we won. Uh, they doubled us in shot attempts and had 30 more shots. Uh, game six, halfway through Tampa. Uh, was 27-6 in shot advantage. The score was one-to-one. Yes, think four about, games to none. Think and, about guys. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Four games to none in the in the games that Braden Point played, and they outscored us 14-4 to with no Stamkos. We're not close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not even close. I mean, that's, I forgot. I forgot Point was out a lot, and there was somebody else was out a lot. They had They were playing like three forwards short and still dominated us. I mean, it's better than we are. I mean, you know, there's no shame in that. But to think that we would beat a team like that is just delusional, as far as I'm concerned, delusional. Frank Hay there said the Islanders won 8-4 to four, um, against the Capitals there. So you talk about the last eight game or the last time they scored eight goals there. Grumpy old man, they did score eight goals against the Washington Capitals here. We got another call real quick here. Real from the line line. This is TJ and the grumpy old man. Is this Lou from the landline? Did I hear that? Lou Lamarillo? This is Lou from the landline. Yes, I'm here for you. All right, Lou. I, I, you know, we don't want to burn you out with a whole bunch of questions, but I do have one, Lou. When you see the lack of production by Casper Holmstrom, do you regret not drafting uh, Philip Tomasino or uh, Connor McMichael or Alexander Kaliev? Do you regret that? There are no regrets, Grump. There are no regrets. You just wait for this guy, Simon Holson, to, to pan out. You just wait. He'll be a stop, man. Just like, just like your friend, Joshua Bailey. 
How long do you think he does look like Josh Bailey? I mean, when was the last time that he scored? I can't even remember the last time that. Uh, I mean, I was joking when I said he had five points, honestly, and I was shocked. It was I may think two weeks ago or three weeks ago he had five points as well. So I'm just kind of surprised. So you feel that he's going to progress like Josh Bailey, like I predicted already. Is that correct? His production is all around. He's a smart player. You just watch, Grump. You just watch. Give him so some time. What, he'll produce. So that's what we're going to hear on the telecast is how smart he is, not how good he is or how he produces, but just that he's smart. I agree with you, Grump. He's a smart guy, smart player. All right. Yeah. I've got to ask I've got one more question here for you, Lou. Um, now, yes, what, TJ. Long term, do you see? I mean, like, have you and Barry been talking long term? I mean, like, is Oliver Walsham going to play? Are we going to continue to roll out here with uh, Michael Doe Cole and um, Travis Ajak on the left wing positions? Are we going to see Oliver Wallstrom back in the lineup here? Okay, I, I run this organization with plans. It's like an army, okay? and, I, and I'm the general, and I give orders to my my colonel, Colonel Trot. We have a captain. We have first lieutenants and second lieutenants. That's the plan. You just wait for Mr. Wallstrom. He gives him time as well. Thank you so much, Lou Lamarillo. Always a pleasure to have you call in and provide some answers to the fans. Again, we want to ask you some hard-hitting questions, and I'm glad we were able to get straightforward answers from Lou Lamarillo. If there's nothing I know, Lou Lamarillo answers every single question with direct answers. Thank you, Lou. Thank you too much, Pessimist Dicking. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm here for you, like just like the media. I'm, I'm here for you. the greatest podcast uh, in in the interwebs. Well, we look forward to calling Lou. And you know, next time I'm going to ask you about Providence University and what you remember about that because it was a long, long time ago. Uh, but I'll give you a little time to research that before coming back on the podcast. Oh goodness! I need to do some research too. You thank, take care, fellas. Thank you, Bye. Lou. Make sure to pass it along. Love a two minutes of pessimist thinking. Thank you, Lou Lamarillo, for the call. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Grumpy old man, Lou Lamarillo. I'm glad he, instead of keeping everything so private there, we're only getting on the landline. I'm glad Lou called in here to the show again. I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, me and Lou have had our ups and downs, but, you know, I guess everything has been patched up now. So uh, hopefully he'll call up and we can ask him, you know, lose landline week question of the week. And he can give us a beat around the bush answer like he's so good at. Oh, goodness gracious. Yep. But that's just context there to Phil's content or comment there. The eight goals we had scored there more than two weeks ago. That was against the Washington Capitals. Eight goals there on April the 1st. And then the next eight games we had 11 goals. Uh, Yeah. So. Not great, uh, the ups and downs. Uh, we're continuing right along here. Got another comment here from Nick D saying, what do you guys think about the third line yesterday? Oh, goodness. Nick, uh-oh, I've got bad news for you. I've fallen in love now with four different third line combinations. I am not the right person to answer this question. Um, but Grump, I'm going to let you answer it. And he says, also, great tune by Aerosmith. I'm down for a permanent vacation CD. Um, keep up the great work, guys. Yeah, Aerosmith, uh, good band, really good band. Um, not not one of my all-time favorites, but uh, they definitely have songs that I love, and I sing to myself. So, 
no problem there. And TJ just loves the third line. The third line was outstanding yesterday. Josh Bailey was great um, playing with uh, Bavillier, who set the pace for that game, and J.G. Pajot. So they were really, really good. Gotcha. There Keep, go. it Keep it up. Keep it up. Providing us some context, Sid. Simon Holstrom, zero points in the last 12 games. That is Josh Bailey-like. He, like I said, I said he was Josh Bailey 2.0. You remember a couple of years ago when Josh went, I don't know, what, 39 games without getting a point or something like that? I, I forgot what it was. It's like It's like Josh Bailey going 100 and like 120 games with only one power play goal. It's more than that. It's more yeah, than I know that. it's more, but, uh, I, you know, uh, Vinny, Vinny uh, he hasn't kept me in touch there with how many games it's been as of recent, but it's it's a lot. It's I can't count to 120, so uh, you know Vinny's going to have to make sure he lets me know he's got the he's got the counter there. Uh, Tom White also says that Bridgeport has a junior hockey team. The pipeline is depleted. These guys can only hope to get some help. That's why you don't trade around first round draft picks. That's why you don't trade them away because we have nobody in the minors. Nobody. As as Scott L says here, I feel like the players in Bridgeport. Uh, I feel for the players in Bridgeport. They have Brett. I can't develop forwards Thompson as their head coach. Yeah, but I think they're happy with the way they develop players. You know what? I'm going to paint you a picture because we're coming towards the end of the podcast. I'm going to paint you a picture. In this, I'm going to paint it like Bob Ross would. It's going to be a beautiful picture, Grumpy Old Man. You, he's are, dead. He's dead. You're going to love this picture. You're going to love this picture, Grump. I guarantee, Grump, you're going to love this picture. I guarantee it. Now, what's going to happen is as Lou Lamarillo, he's still doing an excellent job as general manager. But he's got his maybe two or three years left. And he's thinking to himself, I want to retire. I want to settle down. You know, I don't need the stresses. I don't need people like TJ and the grumpy old man to be harassing me uh, in the small sphere that they have. We don't need things like that. So he retires. And... Barry Trotz retires in the same token. But we have a savior, a new savior, Chris Lamarillo, coming from the Bridgeport Sound Tigers to go ahead and bring the Islanders, maybe their third Stanley Cup in a row by this time period. And he's going to go ahead and make sure he promotes Brett Thompson as head coach. And all I've got to say is, Grump, I know the day that that happens, you will be overwhelmed and excited You'll be elated. It'll probably be after being blackout drunk, waking up if that actually happened. Grump, if that happens, I'm not sure. I don't know if you're going to be able to make it to a podcast if something like that were to happen. You might have died due to a heart attack. I don't have to worry. It's not happening. It's not happening. I'm sorry. It's not happening. I don't know. We'll have to make sure we ask Lou the next time he's on. What? what, It would certainly be in a dream. It would certainly be in a dream. Uh Darren Z says, if Nelson buries the overtime shorthanded breakaway in game six, do they win game seven against the Lightning? No. And actually, I want to change my answer from uh, with the, the Brett Thompson question. It would have to be an LSD trip if he was the uh, the coach and Lamarillo Jr. was the GM. You'd be tripping. <laughs> but in answer to, uh, to Darren's question, no. Oh. Brian P says Koivula was playing great hockey in Finland pro leagues. He looks depressed playing in Bridgeport. That's where all forwards go to die. Said but true. M.A. Saint says Calva DeHaan sucks. I'm not sure where this came from. I don't think we've mentioned Calva DeHaan in eons. What's the difference? He does suck. Okay, injuries really hurt his career. Come on. We could be before he started. 
He was hurt before. He he had an injury history before he before he was the first round draft pick. In juniors, he had an injury history. He was yeah. I thought he was always hurt. You know who else has always been hurt? Casper. You want to know the only reason why he's not been hurt this year? Because he's so nondescript out there, nobody even checks him. Oh, skate around. He's not going to put any points up. My expectation is Trotz will sign a two-year extension following the first year at UBS. I don't see him going. I think anywhere. Chris Murillo could step in. Grump? No, no. You got to get a real GM. I, you know what? I hope the next GM comes in and says, "You know what? We want to put an exciting product on the ice." Barry. Okay, exciting products are fun. The most important thing is winning hockey games, though. I don't care how they're doing it. I just like them winning. People want to be entertained, too. They do. They do. I get entertained by our team winning. There's multiple ways to skin a cat, Grump. Well, we're at two hours and 30 minutes. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up? I just want to say love and laughter to everybody who listened, and even those who don't, from TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Oh, that's right. I forgot you said you're going to say that at the end, everyone. I like that, Grumpy. Thank you, Grumpy Old Man. I do appreciate it. And thank you, everybody who listened here to the live stream and podcast. Grump and I really do appreciate that. Um, we'll be live here Saturday post Islanders game against the Washington Capitals. Hopefully, after the Islanders had then win uh, or then have won two games against the Washington Capitals and are building themselves a little bit of a win streak. But ta-ta for now. Thank you, Grumpy. My pleasure as always.